Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. Gary, what's going on? What's up, guys? Hello. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Of course. So cool. I'd love for you guys to introduce yourself and tell me a little, you know, maybe one line on you. Uh, great. Uh, Charles Cole, founder of Energy Converters, works in. Uh, and education, basically helping black kids navigate and get through and make education work for them. Awesome, what age group? Uh, high school. High school, awesome. Hi. Hi, I'm Sequoia, I'm tech editor for Black Enterprise. I also have a startup called 7AM, which is a personal development education platform that keeps you accountable and guided by pop culture. I love it. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Wilson, a uh, career hustler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we have a startup called Hydro that basically has created a uh, a DLT, our uh, distributed ledger technology platform for trade assets, so invoices, receivables, mm-hmm. and payables. So. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing that? Uh, two years. Very nice. Two years. Nice to meet you. Yeah, Lake Taylor, uh, co-founder with him with Hydro. We've been working together for the past eight to nine years, hustling, building. Just partners in crime, huh? Yeah. Uh, always. Uh, always. Everything, man. Yeah, always. So I love that. Everything. <laughs> we used to do mobile development before we got into the blockchain space, and then yep. we just focused on financial technologies. I love it. Real pleasure. Ruben Harris, co-founder of Breaking the Startup. So it's a podcast that helps people find transition backgrounds, breaking the tech, and then career GPS for them as well. Before that, I was at Iron Law School, which are education and healthcare technology companies, investment banker, and I've been in Chalice for 25 years. Love it. Doing, uh, Cliff Worley um, from Oakland, California. Um, have an Instagram course that teaches people how to provide value through Instagram, so I like what you're doing. Thank you. Um, also used to run uh, social media for Damon Johns at Shark Tank for the past four years. Uh, now I have a uh, Facebook chatbot messenger platform uh, for businesses to build chatbots on. Love it. Real pleasure. Thanks. So Gary. Uh, right, Mike man. Brown, um, former NFL player, now self-taught coder in the Valley, uh, building win-win. It's a sports gaming platform that bridges the gap between fans and their favorite athletes and influencers while raising money for charity. Um, and so we've launched and uh, just finished up five of the startups <laughs> and uh, looking to continue to accelerate. Pleasure awesome. to be here. Real pleasure, thanks for being here. Hey, I'm Allie, I lead community at Workbench, which is an enterprise-focused fund here in New York City. It's awesome, real pleasure. You doubt me. I do, my <laughs> <laughs> I sure What's going on, Gary? I'm Thomas, uh, I'm the creator of Date While You Eat. Uh, what I do essentially is sit in the subway, por- play board games with people, and focus on connection. Um, for the last two years, I've, I've moved from creating something that was just something fun into a business and creating human connection <coughs> in the world. I love that. How, how is it in a business? In what kind of sense is it a business? Yeah, so I've been doing uh, public speaking. I've been doing events. So a lot of our events are focused on like panel discussions mm-hmm. with a board game twist, which mm-hmm. is really cool. So we have a lot of our Q and A through board games. Is it like literally you just loved board games, or what you, or is it like serendipitous? Is that that's I, how it worked out? I just love connection, but mm-hmm. it went from connection to connect four. <laughs> I, love, I love Connect War. <laughs> yeah, I love That's cool. Hi, Hi. my name is Mohjal Tajani and I run Natural Club. So imagine you're going down the beauty aisle and you see uh, the little refrigerator that has beauty products. And that says, so natural you have to refrigerate it. We feel at Natural Club, we believe that the future of beauty is through food technology, uh, through food science. And right now we have our first line of products, which is the fresh avocado hair masks that are refrigerated. Hmm. It's so interesting. Have you looked at what happened in the pet space? Pet food? You should look at it. It's a real comp. Like the entire pet food space got 
innovated on in fresh. Mm-hmm. Like it just completely changed everything there and I could see that, that's super interesting. That's cool, awesome. Terry Wong. Uh, currently, I'm working as a consultant for TED Global, helping plan their uh, t- conference in Arusha, Tanzania. Oh. Outside of that, I'm innovating and looking to disrupt travel to West Africa, starting in Ghana. So I connect curious travelers to a world of adventure in Accra. I'm, when we, I'm going to Ghana next week. Yeah. 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 Accra. We should talk. Yeah, we should definitely talk. Yeah, we are uh, um, on the board of Pencils of Promise. Oh, okay. And so really? we'll. Uh, Going through. Small world, man. Yeah, oh, man, I was trying to get, I was supposed to donate, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You've been very real. Yes, Adam Braun. I forgot. No worries, respect, I get it. Yeah, Adam Braun. Yeah. He just started Mission You. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm super thrilled you guys are here. Thank you so much for, I'm so glad, I'm so sorry. I know we had to reschedule once, so I super apologize. That was not good, um, but I'm glad we're here. And, you know, I'd love to jam. I'd love to, you know, I assume that you guys have some level of context. And I, at the end of the day, the only thing that's running through my mind is like, what can I answer? What can I give? What connection can I make? So I'd love to just kind of like shoot the shit a little bit. Anybody want to start? Ladies, got anything? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, start. please. Okay, so for me, yeah. uh, very interested of the concept of Udeja, of seeing things, uh, seeing things that are familiar but looking at it in a different lens. And I'm trying to which is yeah, a challenge, right? It's such a the challenge because the brain says that's a avocado. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, not. I need to put that on my face instead of you know through my face, right? Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And through that is like education of understanding what the avocado does. But for me, I have a small team now. Um, there's four of us, and I'm always getting. I want to challenge them to think things in a different lens. So I was interested in learning how you get your team to see things in a different lens. I think that's a great question. So a couple things. Number one, I'm a much bigger buyer of hiring people that bring that in the first place Mm -hmm. and making them watch what I do versus what I say um, because I historically believe that that works. But it's interesting, like Maribel can tell you like we had a pretty successful, I think, off-site with the entire creative leadership team in this company, 70 people deep, um, because the company is very far away from what I am in a lot of its manifestation. Now, there's a lot of variables. There's the clients, things of that nature. But in the pillar of three, which is do they come with the DNA, can you tell them to think differently, or can you act differently and they pick it up through osmosis, right? Hey, my man. Uh, how are you doing? Gary. How's it? Dave. Dave. Pleasure. 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 Oh, right there, Dave. Um, Maribel will tell you. Maribel, how long have you been on my team now? Uh, right. So, you know, it's not like we're spending that much time together. You know, like I think that, you know, I, in a weird way, I think she can answer it better. I think. I like letting them watch and pick up and then I watch them and you know and then say okay hey you've picked up that have you thought about this or this and that so I never think it's too early to assess a team even at four people and it's real emotional at four mm-hmm. some of them day from day 1 you know like all that stuff and like sometimes you're serendipitously lucky and you find your partner in crime and you roll it's a really interesting you guys were talking <coughs> I just had a guy by the name of Eric Kastner in my office 
Eric Kastner was my first developer at Wine Library. Literally, literally, wow. we sat this, I mean, this close together. And it was just so emotional, like, for me, even, like, seven years, day in, day out, like this. I didn't travel back then. And then I haven't talked to him for six or seven years. And I reached out to him the other day, random, and said, hey, I want you to come and be my personal developer for my chatbot, for my Alexa skills, for all the stuff that I want to go on the tech offense, because I got everything on the content down, but I don't have that tech partner right now. And you know, we finish each other's sentences, right? Um, when it's early, it's emotional. But I would tell you the hardest thing about running an organization is doing the things that are unpopular, mm-hmm. that you know are right. And I think that's probably the thing you've learned the most, right? Mm-hmm. How many things seem right on paper, but they're just layered. Right, like, it's hard. But I would tell you, for me, I see three things that get it done. Picking people that know how to get it done from the get. You know, them watching how much you actually mean it and then you doing things in the way that you manage them or the things that you do. Mm -hmm. And then number three, you tell them, I'm not a big fan of number three. I'm a big believer in DNA. I'm a big believer in uh, not pandering to what's convenient. you know, and so, you know, if you take anything from that, it's gonna make you inevitably audit the four of them, and you know, all of a sudden, one and a half of them are vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And, and then the other thing is, if you take the opposite approach, mm-hmm. I'd go on a hardcore blitz on really, like, I would take a step back, slow down your role, and spend 30 days just pounding it into them and then watching the next 30 days because in 60 days, if you gave your all to being like, listen Charles, this is what I want, this is what I want. If you do that, if you put all your time into that for 30 days and then watch them for 30 days, at 60 or 90 days, you're gonna have a real read and be like, look, I did everything I could, but like Thomas is just not, he's just playing it a different way or this is how, what he believes in or. Because I think what a lot of people do is they have ideological points of view on things. And that's just not reality. You know? Yep. Quick question for you, uh, piggybacking off what she said. Yep. So, do you have any growing pains scaling your business? Sure. I think one thing, and again, varying on how much you guys know about me, I'm really bad at paying attention to the negative parts of things. Of course, every day. Like, I just flew from Romania today, right? I was in Bucharest a little bit ago. Uh, and on the flight, when I landed, I had to have a very tough conversation with Unilever. And when I tell you I hate confrontation, I hate confrontation. I hate negativity. And so, literally, I was anxious for like 11 hours on this flight. <laughs> you know, like seriously, really anxious. And, um, and so, you know, it answers your question like every day. But I think you can dwell on that or you can look past it, right? Like, in a sports analogy, it's like next play up, right? Like, that last play was terrible, but, like, you have no choice. You know, I I talk about it a lot, you know, I talk a lot about in social issues. Like, you just have no choice. The market is the market, and then then it becomes binary on how you decide to look at it. You either decide it's a positive or a negative, and it's so easy to pick it to be a negative. It's so easy to think what you're doing right now is hard, because it is. But that's why, but it should be hard. Like, if you decide to go on your own and do something and live life in a way that you're in control of it and you're the boss of your life, it should be harder. It should be harder on me than on Maribel or DRock. It should be. It should be. And so I think a lot of people want all the good stuff without the baggage. So yeah, I mean, a lot of things. 
you know, slow down or are challenges in the process of building my thing. The biggest thing that I struggle with, no question, is cynicism. Related to, to his question about scale, yeah. you talk a lot about scaling the unscalable. Yes, I do. Yes. Um, are you doing anything related to text messages, related to trying to build those one-on-one interactions? Yeah, I mean, it's really literally why Eric was in my office today. Like, I think a lot, I, I, I think, so here's how I think about it. I'm petrified of things that completely automate, um, but I'm an enormous believer that AI should get me to third and four fifths base, and I should finish it off. And if I go all the way home, then the person on the other end has to know without a shadow of a doubt. Like, I'll create a Gary robot character b- before I put my face on it if it's completely automated. I think it's about expectations, right? So, um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, I'm being very inefficient in a lot of things that I do right now that I'm willing to be more efficient in, hence my actions, right? Hence why I reached out to that one tech partner in crime I've ever had that was simpatico to me. And what I have with DRock, that's what I had with Eric and I'd like to replicate it. It was so, so weird. I literally felt like I was in the room with like an ex-girlfriend <laughs> that, I, that I dated for like two years. I had the weirdest feelings. It was so, I, re- I like caught real feelings. I'm like, this is emotional. Like, you just, you know, like, you bit right? Like imagine, you said nine years, you said? Eight or nine? Imagine now going seven without seeing each other and being in a room together. Nine years from now. It's crazy. It was really weird. So yeah, I'm definitely, I mean look, I believe AI and and that infrastructure and messaging and all, I mean I believe, I mean Alexa, I had an Alexa voice meeting today with with our rep from there, like I'm all about it. Like the world's gonna get more efficient. But I do believe the magic is in the unscalable. Because if everybody does that, what's the counter? The counter is the effort. Have you have you gotten a lot better with? Because uh, I'm I'm one of those guys that sleeps probably about three or four hours a night. Like yeah. Um, I've been doing that for so long just because I taught myself to program and I had to program at, at night, night. Right. And, and it's so, such a culture and for and programmers. I take my kids to school, so it's mm. like it wind up being because uh, you have to put so many hours in to learn how to program. So it wind up just being so habitual that now I wake up four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. So. Has your work-life balance become better now as you become older and wiser? Or, cause I'm, I'm that kind of grinder. Like, I was at a point where I just, like, work so much, my son's like, man, leave him there, he lives there, right? And now yeah. I think I'm trying to get that balance yeah. to where. I think you ebb and flow. You know, I think life is about ups and downs, lefts and rights, right? Like, I think it's, in, like, think about yourself right now and then just even think about yourself 24 months ago. Yeah, You're just yeah. different. When people talk about Vayner, right? They're always like, it's different. I'm like, it's supposed to be different. Yeah. Like, like, but, but, but to me it's about intent and soul. Like, you're still who you are, you're just different. And that's just the way it is. And so I think that, um, for sure, I also have done a much better job in the last year. The reason I had Ariana Huffington on Ask Gary Vee is I used her you know, platform of sleep as a spring pad because I started noticing my fans thought it was cool to sleep less. And now look, everybody is different. Like some people can really, like I, first of all, I think you can train the body to do almost anything. So like you can get there four hours a day. Like I, uh, I just think sleep's super important. I think it's healthy. Uh, I'm all about sleep. I'm more focused on what people are doing while they're awake than how much they sleep. You can sleep 10 hours a night. If you're crushing the other 14, you're, I mean, I jet, one thing D-Rock and I were once talking about is and I think I actually work in one day 
what most people actually work in a week. Like if you really, like, because I'm actually, actually on. Actually working. Like I'm actually, actually working every minute of a 15 or 16 hour day for real at a, right? Like, I get the emails. <laughs> and like, it's and, and like, it's like one after another. Like, there's no in between time. There's no commercial break. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I came to realize is like, wait a minute. People that work 40 hours a week, hour and a half lunch, <laughs> some YouTube videos, a little talking with your friend. Like, you could probably have a 15 hour. Work. I mean, I think people in my company have 15 hour work weeks. Yeah. A little less here, but like, I definitely know, like, friends, people at Wine Library, even people sneak through here. You can have a 15 hour work week. So, I think it's you know. But do you um, schedule like family time? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. But but I schedule it not at a very I schedule it at a <laughs> macro level. So it's weekends, holidays, and vacation times. Not like two, I don't do Tuesday two to four. Anytime, <laughs> any, anytime I'm home, I'm working. But I will go to every recital, every play, if I'm in town. But I won't. I'm willing to miss the the this month's. Recital. If I'm in Seattle at an Amazon meeting, I I'm willing to do that because I'm just willing to do that. I I am okay with that. I don't have to be at every single thing, but I can't also miss everything either. Balance. Yeah, just tr- and the, to but the best there, to the best of my ability. But is there is there balance, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm you know people. balance is subjective. Yeah. Balance is subjective. Yeah. Who's balance? You're ba- like if you love what you do, then everything. A hundred percent. And you have to know your partner or the people involved. I think the thing with the kids that's interesting to me is they're getting very real. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Misha and Xander are now real. Like they can say shit. <laughs> you know? So like when, you know, when, when Xander's like, don't go dad, Misha never did that. Misha was like cool, like never said don't go. He does and that fucking sucks. And the first time he threw that at me like 18 months ago, I'm like this is bad. I looked at Lizzie, I was like this is bad. I'm like this is not what I want to hear. Like you know it hurts, it hurts. Um, but you hack at it, you do the best you can. You, also, you have to also figure yourself out. One thing I realized probably two years ago, I'm like wait a minute, I'm about to become very wealthy. What that means is I can take my kids in a private plane to LA for a business meeting and then sneak in a Disney trip with them and get them back and they miss a day and a half of school. And I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna parent the way I run businesses and the way I live my life. I'm gonna break shit. Like, um, I had a real hardcore conversation with my wife. I'm like, look, you have to be ready for Misha next year to miss six days of school because I'm gonna go to Bucharest and instead of going for 10 hours, I may stay an extra day and she as a third grader will actually, I remember a lot of third grade. Now it sounds interesting to me. Like as a kindergartner, but now A, I can handle it and can take care of a nine year old and B, like she'll remember and that's real stuff, you know? So, so I, yeah. I was, I was trying to wait a little bit because I'm in a different space. Like, Please. I, I'm in a more of a nonprofit space. Yes. And I want y'all to have some good conversation. Um, well, I'm, so we're trying to build this youth voice platform. These young folks have said they want to have like the youth version of like a mix of Huff, uh, Reddit, and Ted or whatnot. Okay. Um, the work that I've done, the, the years of, that I, where I spent a lot of time doing this after I was a social worker was five years just getting poor kids in and through college. So over 400 kids in and through college. And I know how you feel about school, but the purpose of this is for them I to feel, under- just so, just while we're here, mm-hmm. so I can because I got it's another thing I'm trying to clarify more because you know you throw things out and it becomes mm-hmm. it takes a life form. I think entrepreneurship. I think collecting debt, real debt, to go to college for entrepreneurship is extremely right. not practical. Right. I think that if you're good enough to go to Brown or Yale or Harvard, if you got those skills, 
and you want to work at Bain and McKinsey, you got to go to those schools. You don't get to say, I, I couldn't have gone to Bain and McKinsey saying I'm a natural talent. That wasn't the game. That wasn't the game. So, yes, do I think if somebody who's an entrepreneur wants to be an entrepreneur collecting debt, if your mom and dad can afford to pay, you should go take that four-year vacation. Right. Well, that, that definitely wasn't the case here. So, so, so you know, so my, so, yeah, so, so I mean, my, and my parents like on drugs. Like, they, they got it together, but I went and paid for all my school and working on my, my doctorate and all that stuff, but, what, what I work with these young folks on is, what's the purpose of school for you? Like what is, so school became my hustle, right? It got me out of a place. And so for them, so when we talk about student voice, like I worked in the superintendent's office, now I'm building this thing because school is not mapping to where kids are, especially kids from the hood and what they're trying to do. So young people can actually say, we want like real entrepreneurial experiences, right? So a part of them raising their voice won't just be them talking, it will be documenting their movements and stuff like that, but you, we're in the Bay, so they get to go see like um, these other places, these other entrepreneurs, and then they get to bring that stuff back and say, we want a speaker series this week that's gonna just focus on this, and I want, a, I want a mentor in that space. Do you have any advice for, you know, just on to connect it to the tech space and building out these platforms? What would be your advice for these young folks who have a lot of energy, uh, they know a lot about their areas, and we're gonna be following them home and following them and seeing their experiences in school and then adults will actually be charged with working on their behalf. Because right now, when we say student voice, we mean taking some kids to a school board meeting, promising them peace and keeping them up after their bedtime and then that's children working for adults. I think adults should be working for children. So I'm smart enough that if I get to watch you all day, I get to see where you live, I get to see the environment that you come in, um, and I get to see your experiences at school. I have money and resources and people that now say, hey, this is actually what these you young folks think. Engineer exactly, yeah. right? So yeah. that's the platform that I'm focusing on building. So I get funding based off the student voice thing. But what it really is, is it's a navigational tool for these young folks with a lot of energy. And so just getting your thoughts, I've gotten some, you know, I got some decent funding, I got a lot of young folks that's involved. Um, but since I'm here, I might as well, I wanna get So let, let's synthesize this a little further. Uh, I hear you now, now I understand. Right. What, what, what can I answer for you? Like what's the biggest ROI in this question? Like are you trying to, so I think the thesis is right. Mm. Now the question is time is, you know, it's really funny. I've been blown away, you know, this Ghana trip, mm-hmm. going back to that, you don't realize how much easier it is to throw money at shit right. than yeah. give time. That's why they donate, by the way. Right, oh. right? You know, like, to make yourself feel good. <laughs> right. right? Right. So as I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, the time that the adults have to do to really audit a kid, like, think about how much you have to watch right, right. to really give a good piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep going, so like, so I guess, you, I'm gonna tell you, I can tell you please, how we're doing it. Go ahead. So, no, I guess more or less, what can I help? I wish, you I you guess. can help, so in, in, three, in 15 <laughs> seconds I'll tell you how we're doing it and then you can be like, that's a good way to do it or go ahead. that's stupid. So the, the fellowship would be for 15 or 20 kids across the city. There's gonna be a stipend and however they do their voice, whether it's Snapchat, write-in, podcast, whatever. Um, but we're gonna give a lot. So they're gonna put together these speaker series that all students can come to. They're gonna do this back to school thing that all parents and students can come to. And then at the end of their fellowship, they don't know, I probably shouldn't say it because I'm, I'm taking it, but if, if their thing was video, if their thing was video, this young person is learning and following folks that do video. At the end of their fellowship, on top of their stipend, I'm gonna give them the camera. I'm gonna give them all that equipment. Uh, if theirs was writing, I'm gonna give them the laptop and things like that because 
So that's the way in which we're trying to do it. There's a fellowship where young people get intensive support and navigational skills, but they're going to be given so much to like hundreds and hundreds of like other young people in the city. Um, that's the model. The whole thing's super interesting. So, so I think the so are you are you thinking about how you're going to scale it? Are you thinking about how you're going to attract the right personal brands attached to it so you can leverage it? Like. What's next? I like that question. <laughs> I, I guess saying it to somebody like you, I, I'm always interested when I talk to funders and people that I respect is what gets you excited? Like if, when you heard that, what's a piece of that that's like, oh. Give, for me, that. for me, the only thing that went through my mind is that it got me excited is giving back to the game. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like I owe so much to entrepreneurship that if I can find the time to see a kid that looks like me, right? right and when I say looks like me, I mean just has that energy. Like a kid that just likes selling shit and just like wants to make something happen and is just hungry. That is what can sucker me in emotionally. It's an emotional thing, right? Like, like to me, it was really funny. Pencil of Promise, you're right, anti-school. What was interesting was when I synthesized in places like Guatemala, Laos, Ghana, that for me, being in America, entrepreneurship was my way out. Like that the game, that, that, that existed, that you could like sell stuff. So for me, it wasn't imposing my way in getting out, it was that, oh okay, in these places, if you actually can get the sixth, second and sixth grade, you know, from big data, we're two big numbers. If you can get the second grade, this happens. If you can get the sixth grade, this happens. By the way, I'm very cynical of big data reports, so I w- it wasn't like I blindly bought into that. I was just like, okay, that's a proxy. Let's just, let's just let's accept its truth possibly. Um, it wasn't for me to impose my way out. It's, it sounded like, okay, in that environment, if education was the platform to a much better life, then I wanted to empower a framework. So the thing that comes to me is like, to me, I've been thinking a lot more about depth versus width, right? So for me, taxes. You know, Cuban said something like, I'd much rather write money directly to like four families or 19 families or like, I'd like to know. And I'll be very frank, I was like, you know, there's a lot of baggage with that shit. So like, I, like I, don't, I don't necessarily know if I've thought it through if that's a good and or bad idea, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you it surely sounds a lot more fun. Like to me, actually being able to see the impact, I mean, I'm paying, a, you know, you start paying real taxes, like those are dollars, you can't even begin, you know, like there's some kid that, you know, once in a while I do weird shit, I'm just like paying some kids like debt like like low, like uh, rent in the Bronx ran uh, on Snapchat like just got caught up. <laughs> it's emotion. It's emotion. He like he's like snapping me the like the like he's getting evicted and he's gonna move to Ithaca. I'm like fuck, we gotta do this. I gotta help you. Like I'm sending Tyler. I'm like PayPal now. Like I think it's, I think I think the way to win. I think the way to win is to make it. And I love where you're going with document. Is going deep, not wide. I can do so much more damage for the world by giving a shit about Ricky or Susan, you know, and like giving my time and energy to those two versus 25K in this, right? Like, I'm trying to figure out that time dollar thing, especially now that I've realized how much money's in the world. The biggest problem in startup land is there's so much money globally, China, Middle East, you know, like, that like, just people just throw money at dumb shit. And so, impact, I, I guess, what would be really cool is I love that you smartly are letting kids document the way that comes natural to them. Right. And then I would say on the other side of the platform, 
you need to let people like me be able to consume those kids in what works for that person. So if you can synthesize the distribution of the stories to the other side, instead of being romantic about how it should be on a one-to-one basis, all those startup founders, all those things, how do you want to consume it? Do you want a newsletter? Do you want to listen to it in a podcast? Being so that platform. So it's gonna be a podcast and I'm, I'm, I put something in the budget to get like a predator, like a producer, uh-huh. editor, all that stuff. They're really expensive in the Bay and they shouldn't be that expensive, but, um, but that's how I'm trying to do it. And I'm just learning how to do more to edit it on my own. So I don't have to like. It's really cool, Charles. So Gary, I got yes, a question, uh, kind of in, in line with all the nonprofit side, right? So I mentioned that Winley is a sports gaming platform that allows... A charity component. Right, and so it, it connects the fan with the athlete. We, we basically work directly with athletes. Uh, they host game tournaments like the March Madness Challenge, Playoff Pick'em. Fans join the tournament, make a contribution to a charity chosen by the athlete. And now instead of competing for money, they're competing for experiences that money can Access provide. with right, the player, exactly. got it, so understood. It, it, you know, the reason I, I set out to build this, you know, after finishing with the league was, you know, I wanted something at the intersection of, you know, three of my passions, right? Sports, philanthropy, and technology. And so now, and, and this is kind of like more, I guess, geared towards your, your involvement, obviously, with Vayner Sports, and how you look at the athlete and, you know, some of the things that, they do off the field, right? Because this was my attempt to give them a voice outside of the field and allow their fans to really see them as as people and the causes that they actually care about while connecting and engaging with them in a unique way. I think that's great. I mean, I think, um, first thing I think of, Mike, that I would give you a huge piece of advice. So I assume the platform is for profit for you, right? You should own that. Make sure, like, if you leave with anything, like, I was pumped when we were going around, I'm like, I got a really good fucking piece of advice for him. (laughs) The the reason most people lose, straight up, is because they don't own their for-profit nature in their thing. Because they feel like, they feel like they want to hide from that because the ethos is for-profit. The number one thing I've learned in the nonprofit, for-profit paradigm is that the owner, CEO, the people behind the platform have to own their for-profit nature of it and not hide from it. And not that you have to blast it out of like, I'm built, you know, but if you leave with anything, make sure that you don't hide from that. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, one of the things for me, we've raised quite a bit of money in a short amount of time. I want to make sure the consumers, the press, like you just, just keep that in mind. Yeah, let's no, let's go to the next part. As far as Vayner Sports, you know this way better than I do. I'm, I'm just getting into it. Man, I mean, I, so I, my favorite thing is to disrupt, right? Yeah. I like doing that, right? I love doing it in the wine business. I'm single-handedly lowered the price of premium wine in this country. It's a cool thing. It's a very little thing. It doesn't mean that much. But if you're like a high-end wine collector, you really don't even realize how much you should love me because I collapse <laughs> the floor net. Yeah. This has been so fun. We've really disrupting, and we're and the reason we're going to disrupt the agency world is less about how big Vayner will get. It's that Karen and Susan in Tennessee are going to realize they can build an independent agency and never have to sell it. And over time, that's really going to fuck up because all they're playing on is being a holding company and buying out the best talent. I'm really going to disrupt the agency sports world in a way that's never been done before because that world's the most fucked up of the three. The level of giving a fuck that these agencies have for their players is zero. It's zero. Now, you have an individual person or two. It's like agencies. There's great people. Maribel was awesome at Group M as a human. 
the company wasn't because it was built to be a financial arbitrage. I'm sure there's an awesome guy and girl at Rock Nation CAA Athletes First, but the machine's not built for it. My machine's gonna be built for it. So like if my kid cares about nonprofits, I'll push him like crazy to understand this stuff. But if not, I just wanna reverse engineer the kid. You know, I just wanna reverse engineer the kid for real and I want to build a model that max, I want to teach them that they've got a moment in time, you know this, you know this way better than I do. I know it because if any Jet player DMs me, I'm meeting with him. Yeah. <laughs> if he's not on the Jets the next day, I'm not even answering. <laughs> That's just true. It's very real. So they sit on this three and a half years, some one minute, some 19 years on leverage and I just want them to maximize it while they have it and so I just want to do better. Uh, the biggest thing we're gonna do is bring a lot more money for kids off the field. Mm-hmm. Like, right, like Jalen reeves Maven's a fourth round drafted linebacker for the Lions. Mm-hmm. He's gonna make more money off the field than every linebacker in this last class combined. Wow. That's gonna be disruptive. Cause you know, when we start recruiting next year and we can tell that story, oh, yeah. yeah, people are gonna respond to that, right? So, and what that's gonna do is gonna make people try harder for their guys, otherwise they're gonna come to me. Mm-hmm. You know? so, but you mentioned that, you know, giving them so if, if one of your athletes, right, is, is really passionate about Let me tell you what I'm gonna do for you, for example. Next year, not this year, because we're still small, but next year, we're gonna do a two-day offsite out east in Long Island where I'm gonna invite all my guys, and I'm gonna cr- create a curriculum for them, and you'll come and present for an hour during that time. <laughs> Got it? So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put them in front of good situation. And by the way, I'm gonna vet your thing a little bit from now to then, but I'm gonna, and I'm gonna do that, right? Like I'm gonna really try to put them in a good position to be open to new things, think about new things, right? Um, just expose them to, you know, to me, I have a really good situation there. If, if I bought CAA, Rock Nation, and Athletes First and combined them, it wouldn't be financially as in, half as interesting as VaynerMedia. Mm. So the, I'm, I'm in there to disrupt, yeah. learn the industry, build, build a reputation, take it to when I own the Jets one day. So th- the smart ones realize the economics aren't that interesting to me. Like I can't make enough money. And then all of a sudden that builds trust because they realize what I'm trying to do is play a role. Yeah, they don't believe it at first. I gotta do the same thing I did with Vayner. It'll take me a couple years, but it's real interesting. I'm really pumped. I, I thought it was bad and that I was gonna disrupt it. Now that I'm in it, it's way worse than I thought. Yeah, I think it's gonna be really cool. And I think, and I'll tell you the interesting thing that I'm trying to figure out. Some of you know this. Through things like Breakfast Club and the up and coming hip hop artists and just my Instagram profile, what's really a lot of pressure on me right now is there's a lot of 15, 16, 17 year olds in all shades and colors and men and women who entrepreneurship is now on a pedestal. You know, athletes used to want to be rappers, rappers used to want to be athletes. Now both of them want to be entrepreneurs, right? And so, and so I'm trying to figure out, I'm in this weird spot where I really have a lot of the attention. And so I'm trying to really, I take a lot of responsibility because getting, you know, somebody came to me that was a clothing brand, D-Rock and I thought this was interesting. Like getting 17 to 25 year old dudes to give a fuck about something is actually stunningly hard. I didn't even realize it. I like been, like, so I'm really trying, like I think through the athlete thing, I'm gonna have even a greater impact because if I make great men through that process, 
Yeah, I think your, your approach of exposing them to different things is, is what I'm, real, I'm realizing now is because a lot of our early relationships with new players that I know, and now you know I'm, I'm meeting with the CAAs and the folks like that, and it really takes a hard push from the athlete to say, like, this is what I want to do, and, you know, they don't make money on it, right? Like, Which is why they have no heart for it. Right, exactly, exactly. And, so to know and by that, the way, any voice in the ear of a player is dangerous to an agent. Because the player has all the leverage. They can fire you the day before the next, the day before the next contract. Like, oh, the other thing is, like when I really start digging into it, I'm like, this is a bullshit business. Like, by the way, I feel bad for agents. Like the whole thing's broken. Like you do all the right things and you finally get to the moment where you can actually make your money and they fire you and go to somebody else. (laughs) It's not super fun. Like it's not a great business. On that point to both of you, so I was a financial advisor in a previous life and that was one major uh, concern. And how are you planning to deal with that? Because it's just, to your point, it's a fucked up game, but that aspect of things is even worse. Right, so financial advice to players. Oh, right. That's, honestly, my, so I'm staying out of that because it's a conflict with the contract, I believe. What I'm hoping is through osmosis of a relationship with me that, one, I have to learn it. I, I have no idea how to judge who's full of shit and who's awesome. Two, I'm hoping that if you, I, I just genuinely believe when you build self-esteem mm-hmm. and you build respect and you like, t- and you, like you do that, all the decision making gets better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, can I? Yeah, go. And so, go selfish. Like we can change. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. gonna change subjects yeah. here you a lot. Go ahead. To make sure. Yeah. So my business is a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, I started something where I literally just in the subway and I did something fun. Yeah. And it, ended up and it took off. And it yeah. Up, yeah. Taking off and the best. Um, so now I'm at a point where I'm trying to figure out kind of what steps I should take to, to maximize, monetize yeah. connection. Yeah. Um, I realize that everybody wants to relate. Relatability is a big part of what I do. Um, if I can find a way to relate with people, people will listen. Um, and that's something that I've learned just through connecting with people. So I'm just trying to figure out what it, I guess what, what advice should we give as far as someone, I'm a one man show. I have a couple of people I work over here and there, but essentially I, I speak at universities. I have a workshop series I've created basically just teaching the importance of human connection. Um, and I would, like I said, would love to hear your thoughts. So look, I think, I think. Um, oh, Bo- Botas, another, another. Yeah, that thing is rad. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's the same thing I'm trying to figure out with all of you, which is like, when you know what your finish line is, everything goes much faster. So for example, I know my two finish lines are the vain part of me loves the idea of literally motion pictures being made of me because I pulled it off, right? Like that I, I, I called my shot for 30, 40 years, I documented it. Like if I can actually pull it off, if I'm actually, if, if you all wake up in 31 years and it's like Gary Vaynerchuk bought the Jets, there's a lot you can do with that. That's all time vain legacy, right? Like you fucking get it, right? Like that's absolutely a movie, right? And I want that. The, the, the much more noble part of me is I just want everybody to show up to my funeral, right? And so I've got these two interesting contradictions happening in parallel. I think that you need to, I think all of you need to think about your balance between the selfish and the selfless. And, we, and, and I would start with the selfish. And I would start with a macro and micro goal. Right, like to me, it's really good for you to figure out how much you want to make in money in a year, period. So for me, I knew, and this is funny now to think back, that if I made $100,000 a year, that I was so not into stuff. I don't want stuff, I still don't. I don't really need vacations. You know, like I, I do them now and I value them much more than I used to, which probably changed my need. But 
it's crazy to me how little money I needed to be happy, I needed to play. Like I'm addicted to the game, right? You need to know, you need to know. Like when my friends would tell me things like if I make a million dollars I'm gonna go to, you know, I remember my one friend Joe Stump, he's like all I need to, when we were talking about a startup, he was like, dude, all I wanna do is make enough money so that I can move to Jamaica and smoke weed on the beach. <laughs> and I was like, cool, like what's the math behind that? And the math was nothing, the math was nothing. And, and I said that it was a really, it was one of the most profound conversations I had with him. I was like, dude, you really only need to make like 377, I remember the number. Like we, we fucked with it, right? I'm like, now the tough part comes. How full of shit are you? Right? So like I think the thing you have to do is like it's cool with all the cameras on. I don't care what you're gonna say about who you wanna be in that. You just need to do that by yourself, in your room. So my answer to you is very simple. If you can figure that part out, I've got a lot of advice for you because then I can reverse engineer the finish line. I know how to build a personal brand, right? I'll tell you that if you wanna build a huge personal brand, you gotta hold your breath. What I did better than anybody is I held my breath. I didn't monetize my audience, I still don't. Once in a blue moon, two years, a $14 book, right? But like, no, this big course, that big course. The second you start selling to them, you start losing leverage. Mm-hmm. So, so I've, I've been hearing the exact opposite. Of course you have. That. Because and every, I refuse to do it. That's right. something that fits me. Got it. So I think if that's right, then you're in a golden spot. The only issue you have now is your short-term needs as a human to live life yeah. at the level that you want to live it. Yeah. And anybody else that comes into your world, right? So, you know, like, like for example, when I dated Lizzie, like all I talked about was how hungry I was and how much work-life balance would be an issue. Never did I talk about like dollars or this and that. Like you have to figure out who your partners are, how you're gonna roll, you over communicate. But I will tell you, of course everybody's gonna give you advice to like create this course, do that thing, do this, because most people are short term. Most, most people are just short term. And so like, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I'm pretty envious of it to be very honest with you because I just keep pushing it down the road. Like, you know, now if you're talented enough, you can get what I have, which is I think I have the best of both worlds now, right? Like I was good enough in hindsight to be able to get plenty of short-term ROI while still all my leverage, like I'm fully, like I'm fully invested in the long-term. And it can go, all go away in one bad move because you're building a brand, right? And you're building on trust, which is hard. And when I run an agency, right, like you're at the mercy. Like there's a lot of things I can't do or talk about or things of that nature, so I, you know, but I would tell you this, it's content, it's content. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason that when there's a coup in a country, they go after the media. Because the media dictates what people think. And we are at, this is it man. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. That's true. It's the crazy, that's, cra- that's right. And it's, so it's, to your point, a lot of people want to hear about what I do, right? So I, I send this away, I play with people, play games with people, that's great. But people want to hear about the person, right? They want to know what the person's Now doing. you got to decide if you're willing to share that. So like yeah. I share, as you guys know, a ton, but I also don't do what most people do. Almost all my friends that are building personal brands mainly rely on their children, their family life, and their pets because that does well in social. Yeah. I do none of that. Yeah. I don't, as you guys know, there's nothing about my family. You can't, there's like one picture of my son on the internet and like three of my daughter on the internet. So like, you know, you know, I think you have to, it's all about self-awareness, my man. There's no right answer. There's the answer that you know is true to you that you may not like. You may not like that you want short-term money. You may not like that you don't need a lot of money. You may like that you don't, like, you need to know yourself, but it's very simple. It's content and patience. And the patience needs to map your ambition. 
if you only want, if you think like it'd be amazing to make hundred thousand dollars a year, and like that's the best, you can start selling now, right? Like you can figure it out and like build towards it. But if you've got bigger dreams and aspirations in a world where everybody is going to be available to everybody, you have the only way to stand out is to be the person that's not asking. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Like what I'm spending all my time is giving, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm trying even like so, right? I've been on a huge path of like motivational, inspirational giving. But as you can tell lately, I'm trying to do more tactical stuff, like back to what you mentioned, which is my DM detail. Like we're trying to do like, I just hired a writer so I can go into more detail on what I actually do because now I want to feed people who are like, okay Gary, I get it. I gotta go crush it. I gotta go do it. But like how? Right? Right? And so I'm trying to force myself, which doesn't come as natural to me because I'm so macro. Right, like, and Maribel can tell you, and D-Rock can tell you, like, I, I don't even like, like, even in like our real life, I don't like getting into the details. It's like, this is what it is, you figure out the details, you know, because that's the harder part. So Having the vision and understanding the macro is much harder. So let's. What's very interesting with that is that, so I, before I took on this role, you know, as, as doing DIY full time, I was working for Apple, I worked for Apple for seven years. So I work, you know, sales, I've done business sales, and a lot of mobile device strategy and things like that. So creating something from a connection standpoint is has been difficult because I'm used to the salesy side, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas bow ties, like I just started a bow tie line, be great bow ties. I can literally sell bow ties to people. I can talk to people about bow ties because I'm used to the sales cycle. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to connection and trying to be like, you know, you should you should buy the school, should buy into my workshop series because. It's kind of like, um, um, and that's. I'll give you good advice. I think that you need to not sell the macro. You need to create so much content that it comes to you. Gotcha. That's what you can do well. Okay. I think you should scratch your sales on the micro and the bow tie. I think that's great. Nice little thing, not too expensive. It's not like a $5,000 course, this and that. But I think if you can produce enough media that it comes to you, I, you know, I think that's the most fascinating thing about what we do here at VaynerMedia. Like, we don't in a world where mainly you win business by doing a long two month RFP, you know, and a lot of dollars put into it, you know, I'll just send a random email to the team and be like, hey, we just won this big telecom business because it came to me, I had dinner and away we go, right? And so like, you, the best way to sell is not to sell. And the best way to do that today is to produce content at scale and understand the distribution of media because that's what's making people's minds up. Gotcha. Thank you. It's funny, man. Um, this, is, this might be a bit selfish for Go my ahead, son, right? Because my son, his aspirations is to be a YouTube star. Of course, like and every single eight to thirty, every yeah. single eight to fifteen-year-old in America yes. wants to either be a YouTube star or an influencer. And he has great. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: he has great grades the whole night, right? Yep. And I don't, to be honest, because like I said, I'm a hustle for life, so I don't care what he does. Like, do what I get you it. love. You I get it. What I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And I, but my deal with him was this: I will support you wholeheartedly. If you make content, and I told him to look at too, because I was like, I don't remember you from way back in Wild Library, right? And I was like, um, I was like, this guy kept making videos when nobody was watching him, and I told him, I said, you need to make one video a week. If you make one video a week, you make 52 videos in a year. We cool, right? I like, love you got, that. I, right? <laughs> what a lucky me, kid. Me, to have you. Are, me and you are cool, right? This dude has made probably 200 videos in the last two years. Because right? he loves it. He loves it, man. The when you love is, it. And that's why I'm, I'm being selfish because I'm asking for him. Yep. Because he doesn't. I keep telling How him. How old man, is he? Listen, he's 17. He's about to graduate tomorrow. So and that's the day. Yeah. His mom, like people on the outside of our family, will look and go, like, man, he needs to go to school. He has great grades. But I'm like, look, man, go after YouTube. YouTube's your thing. He loves it. So he what's he doing the day after tomorrow? What's he gonna do? 
start working on YouTube. Like right now, he takes a, a bus to the library because we have a free like digital studio, which is like I told him. I said you lucky, like Bill Gates was lucky. I was like Bill Gates had an opportunity to get into computers early because of the club. I said that dude. I said you have a computer at the library that lets you edit, do all the Final Cut Pro, the whole nine. Mark, why don't you send him? Why doesn't he come and hang with my team right outside my office for a week? Yeah. He'll learn more in one week than he will in his life. And that's life. his biggest thing. Done. He just really wanted send him. subscribers. Send him. Yeah. Send him. Yeah. Gotcha. Done. Mary Bell, you take care. Done. He'll learn. I love you. Stop talking about it. Don't overtalk the set. Got it. There's no resistance. Done. You, you had an interview with Larry King in November last year and you mentioned something interesting about data and connectivity. You said uh, Africa's an interesting place because everyone has a fucking phone. It's crazy. I'm in the village. It's crazy. A woman has two phones. Like, it's crazy. Phone. <laughs> no, for real. No, it's, 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 it's the phones. entire infrastructure. It's crazy. It's they, don't have, they don't have house phones. You know, people calling me in the village on a cell phone. Well, it gets, it gets real extreme. Right? They don't have all the things we take for granted they and they do. have three phones. Right, so my question to you is yeah. what can we learn from that here being that you know, as part of this whole tech stuff and planning, we're looking for those disruptors, right? And in the US, we had landlines. The first thing people know there is cell phones. Yeah. So they've skipped the leapfrogging entire infrastructure system. That's right. So from media perspective and personally, what is your interest there? Quite a bit. So I've, I've, um, I've been debating for the last year to make our next VaynerMedia office in Johannesburg. Uh, I've become very friendly with a guy by the name of Black Coffee, who's, who's literally one of the most famous people in that whole continent. Uh, I'm going to Ghana next week. I'm, I'm gonna do an event that's like an entrepreneurial event. It, it's no question in my mind the world version of what I believe, meaning it's the arbitrage. Africa is the arbitrage in like society. It's the underpriced asset of opportunity from its people, from, you know, from, you know, it's, it's so entrepreneurial. Like, you know what's interesting about Eastern Europe, Africa, China, it's such purebred entrepreneurship. It's so entrepreneurial, it gets into things that we don't consider noble. You know, it gets into like, yeah, it's, yeah it gets into very deep corruption, but it's pure. It's like this pure, it's pure corruption. It's like, like, pure like here we do bullshit corruption. There it's just like, you know. Yeah, my favorite phrase we call is money it, works, right? Here we call it, we call it lobbying, right? Over yeah. there it's just give me the brown bag. Yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. Bulgaria is that money works. It's a pure, that's exactly right. So, so I would say it's very much on my mind, but it's on a, it's on a, it's on a, it's on the, the reason I don't talk about it Right? Like you've never heard me talk about it, is because I, I eat my own medicine, which is don't tell me what you're gonna do, do it. Right. So my normal state is I'm going, I'm gonna do it, then I'll talk about it. Uh, but it is very, very, very top of mind. Uh, and I think again, you know, uh, one thing I've realized is fame is the ultimate arbitrage in our society. Mm-hmm. Right? I, so Jay, I don't know if you guys know this, Jay Z sold his shares and title to sprint, right? 100% on the back of his fame. Like, 100%. Like, it's a piece of shit. And they bought it because he was able to leverage himself for it. That's what he does for everything. And, and, but that's such a macro. It's one thing to put your name on like a cognac. It's another thing to sell a completely worthless stock at scale. Um, completely worthless. So, so, I'm definitely in an interesting time in my career because as my, my 
as my internet fame is growing very rapidly over the last six months, mm-hmm. and I believe that that is the only platform that matters, mm-hmm. now a lot of questions are running. Now the ambitions are greater, right? Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I can do a six city tour with Black Coffee mm-hmm. doing what he does and me <laughs> opening and doing what I do yeah. and leaving Africa in 10 days as the 37th most famous person in Africa. Yeah, like, like, you know, that's just very powerful. And so I'm really, now I'm crippled. The thing that, you know, the thing that all of you have felt, right? I'm sure all of you can understand this because it's always happened and now I'm feeling it at the biggest scale. You start getting crippled by opportunity as good things happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Too much. Even when you open up your mind, right? That's, by the way, that's what I'm doing for the athletes. Just by opening their mind, they're like, wait a minute, I can do anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, when you get, when you get drafted, Every single person in that city yeah. is on your Rolodex if you want it. Yeah, that's right. That's true. So, so I guess the answer is yes. Okay. And and so I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot other than I'm going to start so executing. Just, my mother does something. You know, it's it's a cultural thing. We bring gifts. So I brought you a shirt from Ghana. I appreciate um, it. I Perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to be. I'm going to literally wear this next week. They're going to be like, he's yeah. in the know. Jump in there, dog. So, a couple, couple of things. But, uh, yes, sir. We introduced you. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm Dave Salvin. I'm the founder of Squire. Uh, it's a back end software system uh, specifically focused on small businesses, but we do CRM tools, we do POS. Uh, we're first servicing, servicing the underserved market of barbershops. So uh, think about it as an open table for barbershops. Love it. Uh, went to Fucking Cover, love it. We raised about a uh, little under $2 million so far. Uh, and and, and, and my, my question is essentially, there's so many ideas out there. However, uh, it's, it's minorities that aren't getting funded. You know, um, I think there's only 15 black women that raised over a million dollars in capital. And you know, African American guys probably like 25. And there's hundreds of VCs getting fund funding. Well, I so I don't think it's a it's a talent pipeline. I think it's an opportunity pipeline. How did you how do you think your thoughts on getting more entrepreneurs, underrepresented entrepreneurs that are in the same group think group tank as uh, the other guys? I think that I think about this a lot. So, 2011, 12, 13, I made a lot of money by investing in female-based startups because they were so underpriced. Birchbox, Brit.co, you know, Micmac. I just kept investing because, not because I'm a good guy. Because I just didn't, under, because, you know, the other thing about money talking and working yeah. is money's unemotional. Yeah. One thing I tell a lot of people is like, look, at the end of the day, you know, do I believe that it is an opportunity play? I absolutely agree with you, yeah. right? 100%. It's really funny, I feel it the other way. I went through the last two years of my life not investing if you looked like the following. 25 years old, white dude, and you went to Penn or Harvard or Yale because I believed that you were soft and that you were just riding the wave of what was becoming the new thing and that you actually should have went to Goldman Sachs or Bain & McKinsey that you weren't an entrepreneur. So a couple things. My number one thesis in life is don't fight the market. Right? So like, like the, the thought of like, if old white Sand Hill Road doesn't want to give you money, well then like to me, the thought of convincing them that they should is just not smart. So the thing I've been thinking a lot about is reverse engineering who might or who would. I think the greatest thing that any subculture that is at a, at a disadvantage should do is they should map the marketplace and decide, and then, by the way, I have a lot of African American rich friends who have no interest in funding African American or you know, like it's just like, you know how it is, like you know, 
I don't think it's that. I just think who would give you money? Right. So I think everybody spends time on being upset mm-hmm. that yeah. they won't versus tell me who would, well, yeah. right? And then how do you hack them? To me, I would get the 500 people that are family offices, high net worth individuals, black, white, girl, boy, alien, indifferent, and then reverse engineer an infrastructure that looks like YC, that looks like a platform, that I think events, I just think human interaction. You know what's so funny about opportunity? I was thinking a lot about this. I just actually think it's the serendipity of spending time together. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just like, like, what's the framework that would let it mingle out? Um, so my, my binary answer is to not sell to people that aren't sellable mm-hmm. and to scale people that are. And I, and I think there's a lot of ways to hack what I just said. Um, it's a funny, it's, I think a lot about VaynerSports long term because the compounding wealth, I won't let, so our advice, we're not the financial advisor, we're not letting, we're not recommending or even talking to our kids about investing in their first contract. It's a small deal for most of them still, right? And the thing you learn about, like it's, re, you, know, the, you, know, I, you know what I've gotten very visceral to? is people judging athletes for losing their money without knowing what the fuck they're talking about. You know this way better than I do. I always kind of knew it, now I really know it. When it happens, the social pressure of that entire circle, how do you say no to your cousin? Like, like when your cousin's gonna actually ask 50 times a day. And they told us even when I was in the league, you know, the, the mantra was like 10K solves everybody's problems. And you know, you got cousins, you got family, right? And again, then, you know, and I'm, I'm, this is a you know, personal point, you know, for me in terms of like when people make that assumption, right, about athletes in general, and then more specific to the finances, it's like, you know, imagine putting yourself in that situation where you had nothing, like literally nothing, even in college, and now you get the big payday and you got family, right? And so there's a lot of pressure around you Hundred um, percent, and the money's not that big. Right, exactly. They think it's so much bigger. Dave, let me, as you could tell, maybe thematically, I made myself a real promise going into this room today that I was going to be more action-oriented than thesis-oriented. So let me make you a real promise. Another good one. I love that all of this is so on the record. <laughs> Here's the thing that I think I can do the most instead of like instead of that opinion, which I think is right. Got your video. You're going to be looked up to because of what you've done. I'm sure you're having lots of conversations. I'll make you a real hardcore promise. You send me anybody and I will send them on their way. Whether I'm, so right now I'm not investing, right? But, because I think the market's broken. Like I just think everything's overpriced. Everybody with an idea is worth $4 million is ludicrous. I mean if something's series B or D like far along, I would. But a lot of things that I think you would send. But I'll tell you this, if you send me 36 guys and girls in the next 12 months, I will put real effort between me and Phil, Maribel, my team, to get them in the room with anybody okay. and everybody. To me, that, to, me, that's, to me, that's the thing I can do, right? That's the thing I can do. I can get Fred, I, on the equity I have, I can get Fred Wilson to meet with anybody. Right now, I'm gonna vet. So, you know, it's really funny. There's something really, I had a really funny conversation with a couple of NBA All-Stars. They were talking about this exact issue. And, I was thinking about how much, so I was thinking about this guy who I hate. There's a man I hate because I don't think he's a good person. I think he's actually genuinely, I wouldn't call him prejudiced, I would just call him ethically broken. Just not a good dude, just not a good dude. 
But I've also watched him invest in all shapes and sizes. Right, and it was like the reverse of mine, which is I also want to invest in anything, I'm blind to it because I just want to win. I'd like to think I'm a much better person. And then I asked myself, how much of this is opportunity? How much is it prejudice? How much, how, what's happening here? And then I went to a very deep, totally different place, which is I said, this is where we got with the conversation, I said, is it actually just a marketplace? Is it actually just a marketplace? Like, take emotion out of it, is, is, does money just care about money? And, and then I, and so with them, where it went was like, you know, like, should I be in the NBA? You know, like, I, it really got into this really interesting philosophical thing, like, like not about quota or like guaranteed, but like, market dynamics. Cause we're, like, a lot of you are building market dynamics. Yep. Market dynamics. I'm very fascinated by it. And if it is, if it is, if some of this is, if it's the cliche stereotypes, if like Jewish people are good at business and black people are good, if it's that raw, right? Well then what can you actually do about it if you care to, if it's important? Which is what's suckered me in to being very scared about and excited about my life right now because I have, and definitely not millions maybe yet, but let's call it hundreds of thousands and soon to be millions of 14 to 18, 13 to 17, 12 to 18 year olds looking at me and I've never felt more pressure and never been more excited because I'm squeezing out excuses, I'm pushing positivity, like I'm doing my thing. It's really cool, you can really impact. Yeah. Hip hop really taught me that. Yeah. Hip hop, I'm 41 and I was really into hip hop and when I was in high school, hip hop was really hardcore, you gotta be a gangster. Like guys, as you guys know, made up their backstories to make it seem like they came from tougher places because you couldn't be accepted the way you can now if you grew up in a, you know, I always think about Eight Mile, the last scene, right? Yes. Clarence's parents, you know, like. <laughs> but it's interesting, when, when, when it changed, and like after Pac and Biggie got killed and people were like, fuck, you know, like, <laughs> like let's talk more about like, and it was happening a little bit before. When it got into champagne and it got into like, you know, you know, polo shirts and like umbrellas, Bentley, right? Like when it, when it, when it got into a different thing, what it, what it was like, oh my God, all those kids thought that was cool. And then when, I'll never forget it. When I saw Lil Wayne start caring about skateboarding, I was like, okay, something very weird's about to happen because that, yeah, and, and you've seen it, right? Like it's just in a totally different place. And now entrepreneurs hold that pedestal, which I think is great. And I think a lot of you agree, right? Now the key is to teach kids patience, long game, self-awareness, doing it the right way. You know, some kid sent me an email yesterday and he said, you've changed my life because I grew up in a really shitty neighborhood and everybody taught me that hard work was for suckers. <laughs> and it really hit me, I like read it like four times last night. And he's like, you know, hard work was frowned upon, that you had to find your way for the short move, the quick score, the, the angle, that you were good if you did that. And it's really like, already I'm like trying to manifest it in my content, I'm like okay, I gotta figure out what that means. And so, anyway, that's the answer, that's a very long-winded answer to like, you know what, I can sit here and talk philosophy all I want, but I'd rather do. I'm giving you an olive branch. I've got every fucking relationship. Wow. Right? One by one, right? <laughs> Just do, do me a favor, do me a favor. This is what happens. And this is something I think that Maribel are gonna talk like, this is, you don't follow up. It's not about, I believe he'll follow up. I actually feel very comfortable with that. 
I think the only way to win is meritocracy. Mm-hmm. I think what people do now is they pander and we get into charity. Just because somebody looks like a lot of you look like in here, doesn't mean he or she has a good business. And like, and where, where I'll lose, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to not help you anymore if I send Fred Wilson somebody that's a three minute meeting. So we have to think about that. And honestly, that gets into what you're doing. And like that gets into your, like that to me is the real issue. It's not that, like I just know business people. Deep down, they could literally use the N word. Their grandfather could lynch people if they think you have the best idea in the world and you're gonna make money. Like, I believe that. I believe it more than you would realize because I see it in my day to day. Man, you know what? One of our biggest customers when we used to build enterprise software, we walk in, we're doing deals with him. On the wall, he has all of the Confederate generals in a, in a portrait. Uh, Confederate flag above his desk and he, he paid us the most money to build software. Yep. So what you're saying is exactly true and it's anecdotal but we literally were, li- we literally were walking into our office with this guy. With in his all office, of, his personal office. In his huge it's, office. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think it's empowering to people too. Yeah. I think, I apologize Dave, I just want to jam with you guys because I'd like to get your sense. Yeah. You know what I think is the most important part of this conversation? It takes you out of the excuse business. Yeah. And that just becomes the beginning of the, like, to me it's just like, yeah, and. Would you say it's more economics than race? No, I I don't think so. I think think it's more so access. I think it's access. I think it's access. I think it's access. Here's the thing, like, so you're sitting in the room right now, you said how many African-American males you said? Probably like less than 30. Me and you both. Us yeah. and you yeah. have done that, right? Mm-hmm. In this one and little me room, next. and me, and yeah. him. Yeah. So we in a room with like at least four, almost ten percent, <laughs> more than ten percent of all the black males that have raised that kind of money, right? The thing is, is that when we went out, we come from Kentucky. I don't know where you come from, New York, right? Yeah. So look, we come from Kentucky. Some of the stuff we heard, one time the dude told us, we sitting there, because they have gay, as gatekeepers in smaller communities. They don't let you get straight to the money. Mm-hmm. One of the things we heard when we were sitting there was, hey, you know, uh, investors like their CEOs to be like Dick Cheney. So in my mind, I'm like, do I gotta take my friend out of the woods, shoot him in the face? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this was running through my mind. But then he sees my face change up, and dude looks at me and says, oh, no, 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 I mean like Barack Obama. Like, it makes it better, right? Mm-hmm. But for us, all of us in the room, like, what? Like, we all would think, why would you say that, right? That's the first one. Next time we go in, we gotta go to the gatekeeper again. We never made it to past mm-hmm. the yeah. gatekeeper. We went to the gatekeeper That's again, it. they brought two young guys. Mm-hmm. And they looked at us and it was like, hey, so if we give you this money, where are you gonna raise the rest? So I looked at him in his face and I said, well, look, if we gonna raise the rest out in California with some big investors, da 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 da, we gonna go out there and get, do what we gotta do. He looked at me and said, do you know that's like winning the lottery ticket? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, man, coming from where I come from, me sitting across the table from you, I already won the lottery. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, the lottery's been won, right? He's, so all I gotta do is go to California, I win another lottery. So at the end of the day, I don't really think that the access comes from us not, they told us not to knock on doors on Sand Hill Road. Me and him did this like this. Yeah. Knocked on doors, went and found associates. They was like, you don't do that. You, you get a connect. I was like, I don't have a connect. I'm a man in the desert that's looking for water. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, we literally yeah. created our whole network in California by going door to door. By literally going I mean, door to I mean, door. I mean, I've learned one thing. Oh, people move out of greed and fear. Yeah. There's only two triggers that people move. Yep. You know, investors. They move because they're greedy and they want to be more or fear of less missing out. Yep. The FOMO effect is so real. Yeah. You know, so even if even if they don't believe and if even they have a little 
inkling that you might make it, they're gonna say, hey, because they don't want to miss out on the Uber deals. I think I think the other thing that I've been thinking while I was listening to you guys talk, one thing that's you know it's funny. So do you know, bless you, do you know that I think that almost anybody, and I'm going with like, I believe that your intelligence is soft and your work ethic is soft, like going, going down there, that the retail arbitrage on eBay and Amazon right now is so extreme. So I, the thought of trying to raise money sounds so devastating because you're letting, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you, have, you have to sell somebody, especially if you've got some sort of disadvantage Man, I'm really trying to teach people how to make their money. To like, like I'd rather people wait a year or two. And that, right? Go ahead. I sold screensavers on Amazon, like phone cases, like the yeah. protectors yeah. on Amazon. I bought them from Alibaba for like a dollar seventy, a dollar dollar twenty at its highest, and I was selling for nine bucks. And those things were just so moving. I still believe that Amazon's. Retail arbitrage is so extreme. So for me, that was the best thing on the Breakfast Club when Envy like called me out. I had to like come up with something, and right. I came up with the 2017 Flip Challenge. I mean, guys, I'm getting emails every day, right. and people like like the gamut, right? Like some people that really have skills and are making like eight thousand dollars a month now, like right. literally about yeah. to quit their job, yeah. to like people who literally, literally, literally make seven dollars an hour, who now are making five hundred dollars a week, a month. It's game changing, and it's like again, I. I think that, I think that, I just don't like being at the mercy of anything, and so I'm trying to think about ways where the in, the internet's so macro, mm-hmm. like it's created so much opportunity. The biggest one of all being, why ever be in a situation where you have to let somebody else be in control of you mm-hmm. when we've got these marketplaces? Yeah. Given that your brand is so strong and has a strong psychological base, and it's and media has such an influence in politics. Are you doing anything? I've stayed away from it for now because I think it's highly emotional. Like religion, politics, like all these things. It's hard for me to get there. I've got enough things I gotta tackle. Um, I've stayed away from it. Like every side of every corner, every level has reached out to me for politics. We've just stayed away from it. I'll take a meeting here and there just to be nice to the person that, but like I don't want to be, I don't want to do anybody's campaign work. Yeah, mm-hmm. going back to what he was focused on and uh, what I'm focused on related towards like skill development and people from my social backgrounds and entrepreneurship, you know like most startups fail. Do you, do you kind of encourage people to like focus on developing the skill first or like really thinking about that before building something? My big thing is just to keep it very, very, very real from my point of view, which is, which is most startups are gonna fail. Everybody's focused on Snapchat and Instagram. Like, like, you know, I think that if you know how to flip Alibaba to like, like I, I wish people could just understand, like Dave had the talent, that was a gateway to his next chapter. For a lot of people, they don't have Dave's talent, but fuck man, that's, really not as hard as people like, like I just, you know what, it's access of information. Like watching all these emails, I'm getting a lot of it. People are just like, wait, I really can go to the dollar store? Like is this is real? Like just getting people to see it? Um, Because I don't think, you know, I, so my answer is yes, I wanna sell practicality. And like I think it's crazy to think that everybody's born talented enough to build a sustaining business. I mean that's just ludicrous. The same way not everybody's built to be in a league, right? Like, that's just crazy. I do think that a stunning, pers- I would say that 20% of the people who make minimum wage could probably make $100,000 a year flipping shit on the internet if you just, but, that's, but if that's even half true, if it's 10%, that changes the world. 
So what I'm trying to do now, more than anything, is just collect attention. I'm trying to get everybody's attention. Everybody's, you right? To, you about to kill the arbitrage though. <coughs> right. Like prices are gonna go like this. But, right? but you know what though? But that, but the only but that won't happen because most people won't do it. Like correct. That, that's how. Yes. That's, correct. That's, 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 so I mean, but as I but even like. But to I'm me, listening. then but to, to me, if I know that I'm the best communicator in the world, yeah, right. that I go after everybody, I want to suffocate everybody's excuses. If I give you access, if I give you information, if I do it for free, where you like it, in a tone and a vibe that you like, through your neck, the reason I'm spending time with Kyle and Logic and Russ and all, the, and, and all these characters is they're gonna be the next crew and I'm gonna use their platforms, I'm gonna use their platforms and I'm gonna get to every kid through Think about what I'm doing. Pay attention to what I've been doing for the last year. Yeah. I built a sports agency sports, yeah. and I spend all my time with up and coming hip hop artists. Right. Right. In a, right. So in about 18 months, not only me, but the 34 of them, right. I will get every piece of information to everybody for free. Mm-hmm. And to your point, then, are you willing to wake up at 6.30 in the morning and go to the garage sales? Because if you're not, well then who are you blaming? And I'm gonna tell you. Like that's the difference, like I'll tell you. I'll be like, you suck, Cliff. Like I told you what to do, you know what to do. Your name tag was so big, just look at that. I don't know, I, 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 to be very frank, I think, um, you know, look, I think, so I did something really smart. We've transcribed every word of every video that I've made. So we're sitting on a real database. Like if you go and look at my search engine on my website, yeah. it's, it works. Like I'm even like, Jesus. Uh, and again, today, funny timing, Eric Kastner's coming. I think, look, I wanna, I wanna help people get to what they need to quicker. Because time is the game, right? I would love to have a conversation with Eric. Great. Give him a few. Give him a few minutes to like figure out what the fuck he's doing. You send me an email. I'll set it up. So my question is has to deal with myself, with my selfish vision, which is to be the leading CPG company um, with natural products, the next L'Oreal uh, or Procter and Gamble, um, and I'm focusing on products that work better, like or look work better for curlier hair types because I feel like that's an area that people didn't really care about before. Um, so the way that I learn is by surrounding myself with smarter people um, and I wanted to know who you thought was uh, brilliant in the consumer product space. Uh, and I have real people for you. Yeah. I have real people I just for you. Learn. Cool. Yeah. Maribel, let's put together a list of five to seven intros. Like, I got real people. And on that, I'm also... Kathy O'Brien from, yeah. Uh, we just also kicked off our um, seed found round after 10 months of due diligence and getting real customers and getting on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Um, so anyone that you know in the consumer. How much are you raising? 500K. And at what price? Uh, it's uncapped. Four million. Yeah. <laughs> hey, why not 10 million? Yeah, got it, it's uncapped. I believe in my mission that much and my vision. So it's convertible debt right now. What are you selling? How much are you doing sales? Like, okay, so we, yeah, yeah, so we, yeah, so we, we just launched our consumer product company um, in August of 20, last August. Um, so we made about $35,000 in sale, but I could tell you every single customer that came through our, um, our website. And I, I had like a meetup today in New York for all of our uh, customers here. So where, are you, where, where are you based? I'm in Philadelphia, 
we make everything in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where my business partner is right now. Yeah. How are you get customers? Online, e-commerce. Is um, it all direct to consumer right now? Yeah, direct to consumer and in Cleveland. So wait, you're shipping with, with ice packs? No, um, so the technology that we're doing, we're using right now preserves it way better um, than, or we don't need ice packs for that. And this is a space where uh, larger hair companies aren't looking at because of that short shelf life. Mm -hmm. um, but we're looking into technology cool. that increases it while still maintaining the nutrients value with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've, I've had some, um, have you tried Facebook ads? Facebook ads. Oh yeah, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, that's number one. That's what we put all of our money into. We tried Twitter, didn't get any returns with that, but our uh, customer base is growing because of Facebook and, and Twitter. Let me let me get down because you know, Allie's been quiet. I'll talk Go ahead, to you Allie. About that. Um, Hometown where I'm from. How do we create? Where is that? Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. um, how do we? Create Have you been to Burns Steakhouse? Yeah, the best. Love it. Um, <laughs> how do we create um, and build our entrepreneurial communities outside of places like San Francisco and New York? And, and what is the value in that? Um, well, it depends on what your mission is. I mean, I think I think it's going to happen naturally. Yeah. I mean, it's just so popular and real that, I mean, I've watched it literally go from only San Francisco in the last decade to everywhere. There's an incubator, there's a startup this, there's a co-working space, there's a thing everywhere. I think the question is why, mm -hmm. right? Like, so I would ask you, like, is it just because you always want to live there and you love it and just fun? Like, like, like I think, the, I always wonder why. I mean, economically, it's incredible, right? Like, if Under Armour changes Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, nothing changes places more than a company that blows up and stays, mm -hmm. right? Like nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's why it's so devastating when they leave, right? Like, you know, it's, it's dangerous that way. So I would say it's very easy, actually. You need to create a couple things. A place and the selfish or ROI positive things to keep the best talent there, yeah. right? So I actually think it starts on a city level. Like to me, you go all the way macro. Right, like even on a state level, like if, if the ambition, if people at the state level or the city level understand the economic impact of keeping talent, they're doing a very bad job of being entrepreneurial to keep kids from going to New York yeah. or, you know, like if I was Tampa, if I ran Tampa's PNL, like I would incentivize the living shit out of the best talent. Like show me anything, like show me $100,000 in revenue in a year. DTC, and I'll show you a hundred thousand dollar rebate against your tax. Like, my, it, it's back to like the themes of tonight, which is it's unemotional. Like the way you keep people is like making it worth their while. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, like you know, like Jersey can have me back. I'll fucking swim right across this thing right now. <laughs> Give me free fifty thousand square foot building in Jersey City. Let me pay one percent. Like you can get me. Yeah, I can make myself real inconvenient. <laughs> you know, if you make it worth my while. And I think that's. I think that's. A very like it's fun to hear how much of the theme of today that is, like, like I think you're right. I think the big CPGs are not looking at that space, and I think Dave's right, which is like, you know, what we don't know, you and I, as we heard that number, is if you have zero dollars to start with, 
you know, selling 35,000 a year is actually probably really good and speaks to the, I think the question. So 50% What David knows, because he's been through YC and it sounds like he's got a little experience, is mm-hmm. you're not getting anywhere close to a $10 million valuation on data that's already been proven, right? Mm-hmm. Your 35,000 sales is a negative. All these people are buying on ideas. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be tough for you. On the flip side, let me give you a real good piece of advice and we'll, I'll help you through this a little bit. I want to see what the lifetime value and like the retention of those are. Yeah. You show me that you only have 49 customers, but they're all buying every, like you can work with some of like that. subscription so, company, so 80% of Let me tell you one thing about subscription right now. Yeah. Everybody has figured out that subscription doesn't work long tail. <coughs> Make sure you show the data. Of, do you offer people to buy outside of subscription yet? Yeah, we do. Good. That number is going to be, if you want actual VCs, if you want entrepreneurs, like they don't give a fuck, they're betting on you. <laughs> like if you go to entrepreneurs, they're, like, they're gonna bet on you or the idea, but if you, go, if you actually want institutional money, they suck, they run on math. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna care about the percentage of people that buy regular off of your subscription, so you should look into that number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Given, uh, so our podcast has encouraged a lot of people to quit their job to break the tide, but this whole thing about hustling and this whole thing about making money in the meantime is very appealing <clears throat> to me. Would you be willing to talk about like learning how to like hustle on the side on the podcast because a lot of one of the questions that we ask is like if you had a hundred dollars to break into New York City to get to the same place that you are now, you know how would you get there? Yeah, and I think like a lot of those types of ideas would be helpful. Yeah, I would definitely do it in the fall mm-hmm. for thirty minutes or less. Okay. That's what I can promise. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, yeah and I, by the way, when I wrote Crush It, which was like the coming out moment for my career, the big thing in there was there was detail of like seven p.m. to two in the morning not quit your job, you know, because the problem is, the thing that I'm always thinking about when I talk is the lowest common denominator. The person really who's not smart, who doesn't have it at all in like life, who's like literally gets inspired by, my danger is I have motivational DNA, so people could actually get caught and be like, yeah, and quit, and then be fucking really finished, right? (laughs) Like, I'm scared shitless to tell people to quit because I don't know them. I don't know what their debt is. I don't know what their ability is. Like, cool, you quit. Like, people email me all the time. Like, I like in the title, I quit. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I start reading. I'm like, okay, that one seems okay. That, you know, like, no, no. I, I think, I think that's why I'm so hot on this retail arbitrage. Do you know this is true? What I'm about to tell you, that if you went to Marshalls and spent three hours, TJ Maxx and Marshalls, and spent three hours every day with a scanner app from Amazon and scanned everything, you would make real money every day if you had the initial thousand dollars. Like, your, your bankroll is your game, right? If you have $19, you're gonna get 37. And by the way, you can get there. You can get, it'll take you longer. I'm blown, I'm like ridiculously blown away by that. If you know what it is, it's the Google AdWords and Facebook ad of like real stuff. I'm, I'm interested about that. Go ahead. Like, uh, if you do that at Amazon, then you're gonna have to take time to fulfill it. You're gonna have to buy some fake reviews, and then, but it's just a lot of time to package it. Yeah, but you know, Dave, I think the reason you're even asking that is you're filtering through your lens. Your capability and time value is extreme. When somebody's making twenty-six thousand dollars a year, it's mathematically ROI positive, especially if they're genuinely working nine to three. Like, you know, it's like, I think it's a, an amazing blueprint for like teachers, like people who, like when you have that whole summer when it's prime, mm-hmm. you know, when you get become an expert and you can go to any garage sale and be like, boop, 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 you know? Uh, yeah, there's a lot that comes with it. The, pro, the, the exciting part is I'm pitching towards people who are monetizing about seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven dollars an hour other time. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna do like that. you are not that guy. Yeah. 
It chips away, but I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of, I'm looking at a lot of, a, a stunning amount of data now. It just comes down to what your time's worth. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I'm at a place now where like, I can't, I don't even like look up. I, you know what's funny about me, Lamar, is I actually am because I fucking love it so much. But I'm doing it once in a while. It's really crazy. Like, like there's just a lot of people whose time right now in their life is worth to like how they can earn nine dollars an hour, and that's where you can win. I like that piece though because you're talking about people. I mean, we got real deep in the dollar dollars and cents. I mean, the reason, like for mine, you know, the best friends that I had at school like are dead. Like not not. Not like don't have a job, right? Like, Aren't around, like dead, right? right. And so the, the the apparatus that I'm trying to build around, right? It's like, one, I want to thank you for just like this is a room full of black folks, like black entrepreneurs, and whoever platform is doing or whatever. I just think that that just needs to be seen, and I just think that that's a dope opportunity. But two, what everybody in this room has kind of figured out on some level is how to navigate to make sure that they have the things that they need. So I get paid to go speak at schools and across the country and all that stuff. It don't matter how great, like, E.T. does it. You had him on, on Eric Thomas on here, too. Like, it's always, I, I just talked in Fresno, like, 500 black kids. It's always 10 to 15%, though, that come up to you afterwards and it's, like, hungry and wants that piece, right? So as I'm building this piece. The problem is, of that 10 to 15%, there's only another 10 to 15% that are willing to do the thing you tell them so to do. Absolutely. So this is the thing. I graduated from high school. I, w- I graduated like top 10% or whatever. I was still remedial everything in college because I didn't, out- I'm in a forest I'm, and I'm thinking I'm outrunning the bear. I ain't outrun a fucking bear. I just outran everybody around me. 100%. And so what this is, it's like, so I'm going to teach that 5% that actually get on it how to outrun the people around them, but the piece around that, the duty piece, is that now you need to go back with a meat cleaver and a machine gun to go shoot this bear. Like this, these folks are learned. Like that's so. Is it so? I guess you kind of just answer my question in, in the head now because I was like, because I'm, I'm really gonna focus and put a lot of my energy on that five percent. You know what's interesting, Charles? You know what's super interesting as you were talking that really went through my mind is the reverse engineering of one. So that's something I spend all my time on, right? Thank you, economy, how I think about VaynerMedia, how I sell, what I do. It's so interesting to me. You're doing, I love everything you're saying because what I think you're doing is you're gonna help other Charles. Right. Like you're looking for you, right. right? It's so funny. I actually, me, actually looks the part of the other 90% in that school. I'm trying to help Gary, which ironically usually is minorities and people at disadvantage because I was so rogue, mm-hmm. like so rogue, like like lived in this weird, I, such, I, when I know, now I understand why I'm an anomaly. I was on, my family was a cocoon. We were like super immigrated out. My mom had no friends. We were like in our little shit, like I was oblivious to the world. I was in my own fucking like world. And so what's interesting to me is this is the rise of Gary, right? Like this era, this, this, is the rise of Gary because when I think, who do I think is more successful in the world going forward, the DNA traits of winning in those very difficult places, the hustle, the flip, it's so, like the amount of kids from the ghetto, all shapes and sizes, Mm -hmm. that can absolutely make a million dollar t-shirt brand on Instagram way faster Mm -hmm. than all these kids I know on the Upper East Side, I'm trying to, I think that's where this shit's getting real interesting. Right. I love what you're doing, because you're, you know, you're, I can't even imagine, it's the same way I do it. You're done talking, these kids come up, and you literally see them in yourself. Mm-hmm. You know exactly who they are. Right. 
For me, I want to go and talk. I almost feel like maybe you and I should give one talk together because I want to talk to the 90 that are going to walk outside and try to make some sort of like quick buck because I know that I can, I'm like them, but I had something else. Mm. So I know I can sucker four of them into being like, no, 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 Mm. don't do that. It's that, Mm. but put that energy towards this Mm. and hold your breath and here's how you get through in the short term. But it's really good, man. Like you were just talking like, yep, yep. he's gonna really help those kids because everything you just painted, is it's just little you. Right. right. Yeah. And you're just gonna try to speed up that process. Absolutely, I mean, because those folks- Betting on your have, strengths, that that's a version of it. Yeah, and also what you said, it just made me think, I was just telling him, you said, it made me go back to the market as the market, right? And like you said, you'll have the 9%, then it'll dwindle down to the 10, and then it'll dwindle down to the 5%. Because one of the things we always talk about with people like when we were coming up, there was always those like, man, I want to do what you guys are doing. And then they walk away as soon as the pain hits. And look, Mike comes and speaks, Charles comes and speaks. To me, it's super interesting because we know, the thing that I'm trying to really manifest is I know that 95% of when they're talking, kids in that audience, and they know, yeah. are like, fuck that. Right. Like, yep. that's he got lucky, yeah. or like, yeah, he doesn't know yeah. my problems, yeah. Yeah. right? What's interesting is for some unknown reason, I can connect with that kid. You're an immigrant. Yeah, you know, it's just interesting. I can connect with that kid. The one whose like uncle taught him to be like shit the whole time, and for some reason, I can get through to him for five seconds. What I'm trying to figure out is like, what do I, like, I know what I'm doing with it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, how do I scale it? And that's why I'm trying to hack culture. Mm -hmm. Like what I'm trying to do is hack culture because that's what they listen to. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more of them. Then there are of what you know, right? Charles. Like the, the amount of people that are gifted with the talent, and then actually get through all the like war fields of like whether you come from. By the way, I'm not just saying you grew up in a bad neighborhood. Grow up in a great neighborhood and don't get hurt. Have the right coach. Like forget about forget about you know like you didn't get shot on the way after practice. Forget about that extreme. Just how impossible. That's why entrepreneurship can save this thing because it's. Real hard, mm. real hard to become Jerry Rice or Lil Wayne, like real hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's only so many slots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can make 97,000 a year with your small little jam business or SaaS business, like it's there. Yeah. It's the, the long tail of ROI of building your business is so much longer. Mm. And that's why I'm excited that entrepreneurship is winning culturally because a lot more kids are gonna build a $100,000 a year life for themselves than, you know, because it's feast or famine in athletics and hip hop, right? Yeah. Yeah. To, to that point, that's, that's one of the big things that I talk about. As you can imagine, like, I, was, I, I took an unorthodox approach to like my career transition. You know, most guys go into fitness or, uh, you know, coaching or whatever, which is fine, but for me, I wanted to do something that kind of leveraged my characteristics, and as you mentioned, you know, being able to make it to that level is, is fucking hard. Um, and so one of the things that I realized, kind of just jumping out there without any real guidance or, or motive, like breaking into tech essentially, um, you know, I realized that the transferable skills, you know, characteristics from making it to that level, like, you know, and people Absolutely. look at it, and I never really knew until, you know, getting interviewed and people are like, so how did you have the wherewithal to incorporate January 2016 and in eight months build a team of product to raise a million and launch the question was posed to me. And it wasn't until that question was everybody was posed to me where I was like, yeah. you know, I'm using takes two or three years to accomplish that. And so now one of the things that I do, as you, as you said, like, it's about exposure, access, and so when I talk to athletes, you know, just by way of the platform, 
you know, I'm, I'm like there now. I'm the tech guy, very quick. Of course. In my in my uh, in my peer circles, and you know, I, I preach to them like, bro, you can do this. Like, this is just another field that we could dominate because we've been dealing with adversity. We've been dealing with uncertainty. Uh, and there's you know, a huge advantage, money. And Mike, you're, when you're when you're an abs- when you're an athlete, a professional athlete, that that is way more leverage. Like, there's somebody who's gonna say yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Devin, <laughs> Devin Smith, Devin Smith, second round pick of the Jets, went to Ohio State, just got cut, right? Four surgeries, hasn't played at all in his three years. If he walks in this room right now, like he's far more likely to get something from me. Like it's just leverage. Yeah, he's, he's, like he's, he's I'll tell you how you did it. You had leverage. Yeah. It's what athletes in our society are at the top of the pedestal. There was a lot more people that took your meeting because of what you did before. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and yeah, I've said 100%. But then also, you know, one thing that I also was very passionate about in those meetings was look, you know, I'm, I'm not just an athlete with a great idea. When you look at the pedigree of graduating early from Duke, you know, teaching myself. It's real. Home, it's real. Paper, it's real. You know, that's where they saw that intersection. 100%. So, I'm that's why. Yeah. By the way, I'm not taking away from the access. I'm t- saying that. What, I, you know, what, what I always say to people, like Maribel will tell you this, like I, I, you, you've heard me here say, like I think the thing, back to show the profit, like the thing that I always try to do with everybody is like, look, yes, yes, you have this disadvantage, yeah. comma, nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Like, sorry, you were born in Kentucky, yeah. but the right, in right? Yeah. Of but course, the, the no, no, the values, that, the values in it, when you love having, like I like having a chip on my shoulder. I keep going into new businesses because as my profile gains, I gotta like go fuck up other shit where they say I can't because once I can, it's not interesting. Yeah. Right? But a lot of people, I mean 99% of people don't look at it as the advantage. You, listen, I, by the way, I mean I don't, even, I, I don't have the audacity to say it in this room, I just think it's an advantage in the new world, in this world. In 1964, no. Where you had to go through the gatekeepers, no, no. Right. Arbitrage. If you ask me, it's a bigger advantage than people realize because adversity is the weapon. Yeah. It's the weapon. Yeah. But it's hard to say that because then you're so out of touch because people are like, fuck you. But not in the black enterprise room, it's not, right? Like, I mean, I well, because you understand I mean, I mean, it. I mean, I, mean I, I guess so. Like, I was very comfortable, just as comfortable being negative $400 for six months in my right. account. I was comfortable. I was right. not, like, I, didn't, I didn't care about well, it. As, we, as, we, as, we, as we some people, it's great. Because, because, you know, I came when we had no food in the refrigerator. You know, it was that. So I'm, when, 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 when things weren't going before we raised some money, like, it was tough, but there was not a point where I said give up. But a lot of other folks would have went back to Wall Street, would have did all this right. stuff. A hundred percent. But you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that separates the people that make it. And don't working at two in the morning is the hardest. I've been a shelter, bro. Like nothing's hard. Like I can smell with that shelter. Like real talk. Like I've been homeless in Oakland and like Kentucky and in Chicago. Like. I can smell what that shelter feel like. So if it's like, oh, I gotta be up at three in the morning to get this degree, it's like, oh, that's it? That's what I gotta do? Because I talk to cats from like out of the country, right? All the time, from Draper, like over there. We're goodish, right? Yeah, push IQ a little bit. Like they can't raise money. Yeah, and we've got the back end two people. Is Eric still here? Or they're from a different space Love it. or whatever. Cool. But I always but tell them. Yeah, and then I'm kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, but I always tell them, I'm like, look, man, like your value is because you're different. Because right. out of the 20 people that they saw, you will stand out. You because you speak different. It's access. You look different. It's fucking access. Once you get in the door, it's, it's like access. access. It's, it's luck. 
Los Angeles. Listen, listen, I don't. I, 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 I hate being called lucky. That, that's the one way I end up fighting with my friends. I'll tell you. I'm very fortunate. I was lucky. You know what I'm saying? Like, I but you know what the problem with luck is, Dave, and you know this? Like, like, and I listen, I never, I, you know, Charles, I never say no right. to luck, right. but I, don't, I also don't say yes, because what I think is, you're about to tell a story, and if I had more time, I would just sit for an hour going backwards to everything right. where you did right. something yeah. that started yeah. the process yeah. to luck. Yeah. I, I do believe that. Yeah. But look, 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 listen, listen, I'll say I'm the luckiest in the whole room. I was born in a, I don't give a fuck about shelter, Soviet Russia is the worst. Both my grandfathers, you know it's funny, so some of you might know this, you've been following, you probably know this Lamar. I went to Mount Ida College and my entire friend group is African American and, and they come home and hang out in college and my dad is real funny, he like doesn't talk a whole lot and he's just a funny guy, he's very, he's very confrontational, he's a very different than me guy. I'll never forget it, the first time he ever comes down, he doesn't even know my friends yet. There's just like four black dudes and an Asian dude and me sitting at my kitchen table and he looks at all of them and goes, you think it's tough being black in America? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, here we go. He goes, he goes, try being Jewish in Russia and just walks off. And my friends are like, they were cool. They're like, your dad's funny. And I was like, but, but, it's really interesting as I've gotten older, both my grandfathers, both of them, spent seven and 11 years in jail for being Jewish. Mm. So like just imagine with all the terrible parts of the American police and, and judicial system on prejudice, imagine they had carte blanche. Yeah, so like forget about it being bad and getting pulled, like I got pulled over three times in the first five trips to the mall at Mount Ida College and I knew racism was the realest thing on earth. Like I was like this is crazy. Like it became like a game. I was like I hope you get pulled over this time. Like it was like, like but imagine those cops in Russia, they just put you in jail for 11 years. Right. So, so like, what people don't realize is how fucked up America is and how much better it is than a lot of alternatives. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's, punchline being, that's, that's, wow. like, I, I do think luck's interesting. I think I'm lucky because I was born in the Soviet Union, but I was born during the time for five minutes, and I mean a year, they traded, Russia was running out of food, and Israel and the US teamed up and traded wheat from America to Russia to get Jews out and I got in out of that little circle. So I can't not think, um, right? Lucky, but, but I'll be very honest with you, the truth is, this is why I've been talking a lot more about this, the odds of becoming a human being are 400 trillion to one. Like, I just think everybody's lucky in this room. You know? So if it's that difficult. Like, where do, you, where do you take luck? Because to me, luck is being a human. That's my thing. It takes, you have to be the fastest swimmer, then you have to nine months as hell. Yeah. Uh, I know you were Yeah, I've, I've looked at all, a ton of like, like, there's so many platforms built on top of, you know, your guys, all these platforms are built on top of other platforms. Right, so like to me, a, a infrastructure on top of a Facebook API or other, or, or a Lex API or things of that nature, it's commoditized you're smart enough to create a layer on top of it, yeah. I have the ability to build that layer in like four minutes, especially if I'm not building a platform and I'm building it for myself and create all the customization. Yeah. Could it save me yeah. a couple weeks, especially if you had mature API yeah. to like build on top of? Sure. Am I far, you know, what's her name, Cristiana Milan, is, right? Is, right? Yeah. Cristiana Milan, right? Yeah. She and I had a conversation, she's like, we'll build this 
app for you for free. I'm like, no shit. I'm like, cause you're smart. Cause you're gonna leverage my brand equity to get more customers. So, you know, the answer is I've looked at all of them. You know, cause. No, 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 no. Let me phrase, let me phrase, let me phrase, let me phrase. I've looked at, I've looked at a ton of them, but you guys are smart. They're all the same, meaning, they're built on top of another platform yeah. mm-hmm. and then whatever feature set and how you created it comes down to your unique right. twist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, that's great and I fucking think you should do that because guess what that is? That's everything. Yeah. Facebook's built on top of it. Right. Like, that's all good. For me, the only reason I would do something with you, Cliff, is because I'd want to put you yeah. on. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. And by the way, I'm okay with that. Especially if the other person knows what the actual score is. I hate when people are like, I'm gonna, my favorite. Let me buy you lunch. Like, I don't need your fucking lunch. I need my 45 minutes. You know, like, you know, like, it's that thing, right? I would do it if I wanted to put you on or things of that nature. That's why I would build my product on top of somebody else's platform. Otherwise, I'll go, listen, I have disproportionate access to Facebook and Instagram and others, but where I'll get API access or, you know, feature sets before they're out if I build natively, not if I build on top of yours, I'm, they're not gonna do that for me because they don't wanna give your platform that advantage because of what a p- political or business reasons. So a lot of times building on top of other people's things is a detriment to me because I can just text Zucks or Kevin Systrom or fucking you know, Snapchat and I'll have a better fucking direct see. So that's why I don't do it often. Right. Yeah. But I love putting, like, like I've, I've done stuff with people just for, if I did, if I use your platform, you're forever set. It's really funny, back to hip hop, it's how I think about, like, you let, some, you let Snoop yeah. come in on your yeah. album. Yeah. It's really, that's how I think about it. Yeah. You know, obviously you got, you got a, a, an amazing, um, you know, deep fan base, right? And I'm, I'm very passionate about the, the mantra of, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? But I'm also very much so into lifting as I climb, right? So 100%. You being in your position, um, how do you, when you look at a person, an individual, whether it's through your Snapchat or somebody you just serendipitously ran into, how do you make the decision? Intuition. Like, I want to, I you know, spend time. Intuition. Yeah. Intuition 85% of the time, 15% of the time, somebody earns it. By really not asking anything of me for a long time. But what is the intuition piece of it? Like, what about their like? I mean, this thing I just told you. Like, first of all, I don't talk a lot about it because I think people use their good, like, as a weapon to like paint a fake picture of them. So I'm pretty quiet about my stuff. But weird. I don't know. Fucking, I was going through my Snapchat. I was on the runway to go to Bucharest, and there was just something about the way, like, intuition. Something about the way the kid was like, he, like, he, his brother is mentally ill. You know, they live in a studio in the Bronx, like, like, and everything he said was on point. When I like, so sometimes I'll dig, and then you, and then like it gets to the moment, and the person was full of shit. Mm. But like he said a number, and what, he took a picture of like the, what he like to the dot. He didn't say a dollar more, you know. Into and, and by the way, my intuition's been super right, super wrong. I have no idea why I do it. Sometimes like it's just life, right? Like it's just life. But like. What I'm, tr- what I'm really proud of is my scalable version is the way I treat my content and my interactions. Yeah. It's, I'm, all this stuff I do takes a lot out of me. Mm-hmm. A lot more than people realize. It takes a lot of infrastructure, a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It comes at the, th- if I spent 100% of my time building VaynerMedia, like it would be bigger, like on me, it would be bigger. Like it, you know, I think I have a lot to give and I, th- and I think somewhere along the way when I realized people listen to me, 
that thing, then I was like, fuck, now I have a responsibility. Like if I can break through to people that normally can't get broken through to, now I'm, now I'm caught. Now I'm in the, my gift is my curse. Like now, now I need to do something about it. But honestly, my man, it's super serendipitous. Like I didn't walk in here and say like, okay, I'm gonna try, like I don't know, you know? It's just the way it is, it's how life is, right? You know why? Because I will tell you, I am not willing to pander. I know my intent is pure. If my shit is on blast, like I'm never scared, right? Some girl emailed me uh, on the flight here. She's like, hey, you know, nobody in the black community trusts you anymore because of the Shea Moisture thing. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so I wrote her back. I was like, okay, why don't you come through and talk to me about it because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> That's what I wrote to her. And I'm like, and I don't think you're coming from a back, but, but like when I read it, and I read it five times, She's trying to leverage me. Exactly. Like 100%. Exactly. Like not, nine, not like, and by the way, I'm gonna pander, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna like teach her a good lesson in life. Because she doesn't know. Like, 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 and so to me, like, like there's always things going on, but I just know who I am. I'm never, ever, ever scared. Which then means I'm not checking a box for you. Right? I've always said something, you know, said this story to a couple people at Vayner. When the immigration thing got real hot that, that weekend, right? Everybody in this company wanted me to like do something. If I would have donated $10,000 to you know, any organization that, you know, during that weekend, this whole company would have put me on a pedestal. Meanwhile, I've spent over six figures now for RISA and Nile and, and, and Pino. Like I'm doing the right thing but I'm not interested in putting it on blast. And I'm comfortable with people judging me, pro and con. I get too much accolades and I don't get, and I don't get enough because that's what being out and about is about. Yeah. But as long as the people closest to me know, yeah, then I'll be okay. Honest. And most of all, I'll be very honest with you, I know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would scare you with how much I don't give a shit about even what my wife and my parents think of me. Yeah. Right? It's, I, I would scare you because I just know who I am. That's powerful. We know you gotta go. So, but I but I milked a couple more minutes and I, I feel like I made it tough and canceled someone. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, just just to make sure yeah. that everybody got everything in. But from a black enterprise. Yeah, let's point. talk about that. Yeah. So we're a legacy brand. We've been around forty-seven years. Um. So, what is your advice in terms of how to basically? create a shift in the mindset internally. There's always gonna be the new incumbent brands who are native, it's VaynerMedia's story. We're native to the new world. Of course we're gonna fuck up Ogilvy and Gray and you know, like it's just what always happens. When you're native to something, you're native to it. So you have to break your shit. You have to, you have to check all the history and the romance at the door, which is impossible for the child of the founder. Here's what, here's what you can do. That's, that was my question. <laughs> you need to, in the most respectful way, if you want to keep your job, communicate the truth. Because if you pander to the false, you will lose. Because here's what will happen. When you actually bring it straight, two things happen. One, you get fired. Two, you get to change it. Right. Both will help the company. Right. If you get fired, it's, and you shot it real straight, it's created the context of the conversation in the ecosystem. The key is, a lot of people try to shoot stuff straight with me without actually knowing the full context. The key about shooting straight is to shoot straight. Not shoot straight for what's in your interest, not at the macro. So like, yeah. if you really believe it, then you gotta say it. But you gotta be careful about knowing, you know, a lot of people like to diss 
a lot of people like to tell AOL what to do seven years ago without knowing that dial-up services was still 71% of their revenue at the time. Right. Like you have, people would roll in, youngsters from the valley, because this was fun for me, like the Silicon Valley, but I was like, in the, like it was interesting. They would roll in like early Twitter people that were like thinking they were big shots because they were BJ Armstrong, right? Which means they had nothing to fucking do with those championships. Uh, you know, but they were, but they were, that's what I call them. Bulls fan here, sir. I hate the Bulls. I know you do, but I'm sorry, you I should call, though. I, of course I should. Fan. I hate hey, BJ Armstrong. And by the way, he's become a really he's good a agent, great agent. He's a great agent. An he's a great agent. And he's probably, he's a, and he got uh, rings. Got he's got them. lots of rings. Um, but, but, I've learned more about business and sports because because of the BJ Armstrong thing, all these kids that were like number 11 at Facebook or Twitter and thought they were number 23, I'll never forget this one meeting. This one kid walks in and tells AOL, you should shut down, you should cancel all your dial-up tomorrow and do this. And as a, pos- as a conversation in 2007, there's a lot that a lot of people, you know, it's like, we, listen, I've stopped talking about a lot of shit because I've realized how dumb I am in the shit that I don't know. You can't tell a company to shut down 71% of their revenue. Right? So like, if you're right, then you have to come correct, but if you, you need to make sure you're right. Right. And then that's it, and that's the game. But Mark, Please. so specifically, yes. what can they do to iterate based off of what the legacy is? They need to make all of their economics tie into the reality of the new world, which is right. mobile content first, and none of it in print, TV, like all the economics that are tied into the old world <coughs> need to become nice to haves, not the driver of the business, which is very difficult. Right. But you have no choice. I mean, the cost of dollars it took for the, this newbie to come in and cause trouble, it's not yeah, a lot of money. Right. The internet's yeah. too, it doesn't, it doesn't cost Vice anything. It doesn't cost Refinery29 anything to fuck up L'Oreal. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Right? Like, Thomas is, pu- you're, you're pulling attention from other entertainment sources. Yeah. Like, when people watch 30 minutes of Daily V, that's 30 minutes that they're not watching something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is just one big trade on attention. And there's unlimited stories now and it's a market, right? Like, it's just a very, it's, guys, I'm telling you, it's an all-time time. time. (laughs) You know? It's the same shit like Ted Turner and Bob Pittman and all, it's MTV, it's BET, it's CNN, it's that moment. Everything's getting reinvented. Like, you can say, I wanna build, when you just said, you know what I thought when you said that? I'm like, this is the greatest fucking era of all time. The fact that you're not being laughed out of the room, because 15 years ago you'd be laughed out of the room, you needed $50 million in capital to even begin to even say the word Johnson & Johnson, L'Oreal, or Procter & Gamble without being complete, I mean like, Mm -hmm. you couldn't, 50 million. In R&D, distribution, trade dollars, mm-hmm. just an amazing time. It's Retail, amazing, and honestly, yeah. it makes me optimistic for everybody who has disadvantages. Because mm-hmm. the internet is the middleman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not those fuckers you met with in Kentucky. In what? Sure. I mean, to to me, Phil knows the filter. Like, like I literally answer every call. Like, it's just cold. Like, it's really funny. It's the same way I think about hiring here. Like, we're trying to make a better pull towards diversity. But I always tell like Claude, every like, like just put people in front of me. I don't give a fuck. Like, just show me somebody who can. Like, I I would never think like my team is far more diverse than VaynerMedia. 
N only because I would never think. Yeah. Like we hired a guy who was an Uber driver, like I don't care. Yeah. Again, that's the advantage of not yeah. being, you know, it's really funny, brown, black, women who were great Ivy League kids, it's, you know, it's funny, you asked the right question in a lot of ways to me. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's not the things you think, like it's, it's, back, it's the theme of tonight, which is like, show me, show me a black kid who grew up in Oakland but went to Duke and then went to Wharton and let me show you who he's hiring, who yeah. she's hiring. It's more people that do that. Yeah. For me, the advantage of why I feel good about myself is I was ranked 279 out of 281 in my school, 96%. Of the kids I went to college with were African American or Latino, ninety six percent. Like, it's just my, it's my norm. Yeah. It's my norm. I don't even think that way. Yeah. And now what I have to reconcile, especially as I have a big responsibility, is I don't like to pander either. Yeah. So I don't want to. Listen, go look at the schools that were forced to diversify. The ten percent mm -hmm. that were the best at it mm -hmm. became bad. Yeah. Because they were forced against their intent. Yeah, right. The best schools in proposition this and special that, like if you go look at the history, mm -hmm. I tell Maribella and Claude and people like, if you force me to check the box, then 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 all of a sudden yeah. I've binarily broke the whole thing and everything has to be discussed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be discussed. Yeah. So it's very, very, very hard. And I'm, I hold it nearest, and the number one thing on, in the world that I hold dear is to not change my filter because I know what it is, which is I don't care. Like in any shape or form, you know, I don't care. Like you can't spell, neither can I. You know, it's, it's powerful. So the answer is sure, um, I just have to, you just have to get in front of me. Like I just have to, and to me the access is like, it's just, it's blind. Like, like to me I prefer because I genuinely believe that Dave got a lower valuation. Like I believe that truth. I believe the market does those things. Mm -hmm. It's why I went hard at female startups, hard. Mm -hmm. It's just also about opportunities, right? Like the thing that I'm leaving here with and is tripling down on the excitement of what I'm actually doing and I've intuitively been going there, which is I just need people to come and see. I would never think to think of Lamar differently or not differently. I just need Lamar to come to me. Mm -hmm. Like the reason, like, like if you listen to the story carefully, we just knocked, of course. It's just taking me at bats. So to me, I just need to make sure that the system, like it's why we took away any college degree, you know, needs requirement on our, I, I didn't even know. It came up like nine, 10 months ago. They're like, you have, like somebody called me out on social. I'm like, is that true? Like, I don't think about those details. I'm like, is that true? Oh fuck, get rid of it. Like, you know, like, it's just, it's That's just, true. um. Anders, yeah. it's why I've been spending so much time in sports and hip hop. I want to, yeah. I think I can, it's not even that I want to check the box and look good like when you guys come through. It's that I know that I can reach them even more than most people that look like them. Yeah. And I don't know why, uh, listen, I really don't know why. Yeah. I just think it's, I don't even know why, I just think it's, I, I just think it's, there's something about it. I, look, I guess my upbringing, listen, I lived in a studio apartment with nine family members and like split toilet paper, like my profile looks, yeah, maybe I'm a white dude, but like my upbringing. I think it's the authenticity. Yeah, that's what it is. Right. I think so too. You know, it's funny. You know what, that's so true, 100%. That's it. Especially in this community. You don't walk around. By the way, actually, especially in every You know what's a really funny community for me too that I haven't gone to yet, but I'm going to soon? 
the Indian Americans. So Edison, New Jersey is the capital of the Indian immigration. So in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, all my best friends were Indian immigrants Mm -hmm. who were hustlers because they just came to America, they were really raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they were like, you know, like I'm gonna steal your lunch when you're not looking. Like they, just, they didn't have anything, right? Like, and they were like spoke to me, I'm like, yeah, let's steal everyone's lunch. You know? Like, I think that's right. And I think, and I think it goes both ways, right? Like, I, you know, but I think for me, I can make a far bigger impact by suffocating out excuses to a subculture, normally, predominantly male, predominantly with chips on their shoulder, which is the biggest piece of medicine they need because what everybody in this room did was they did not dwell. There's no fucking way you're in this room if you dwelled. I think also too, like the fact that you have this platform, you're preaching this, if you could also talk to the people that, that are your influencers, encourage them to also speak that same narrative and use You mean them themselves? Like the other entertainers as well. You, you know what's funny and you know this, like, 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 you have to do it in reverse engineering. I'm not gonna force a kid to do nonprofit work. Like, you're right, you gotta, I, I'm looking at them. Like, as you know, and again, this is what you know deeply. It's so interesting, Russian Jewish immigrants do have such a parallel to African Americans in the US. It was real rough. Like, post-World War II, basically, hundred, millions of people died, and if you stayed alive, you were like, it's the Jews' fault, because the Nazis wouldn't have come here. It was real rough, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is, is, you can call it selling out, you can call it whatever you want. It's like, you know, what happens when they first taste platform is they're trying to go the other way. Yeah, right. Like they're so worried about like, fuck, let me just like, you know, like, it's interesting, I know you know, I know it, I hang out with them, I see it. Like, they're, so, so that's why I don't like judging. Yeah. Like, it, like, I never think just because you look the part that you have some sort of feelings towards anything. Yeah. Like, I just think that's lazy. Yeah. Like, like, we have it here, like one kid wants another kid to care about things that the kid doesn't care about as much, but like he thinks he should because his background's the same. Like, you know, you can't force it, you know? Like, but, but, which is honestly, I'll tell you, which is why I'm really fucked with this in my head, out of excitement, which is like, fuck, I don't even need Kyle. I don't need 21 Savage. They're listening to me. They've given me, like you said in an email, they've given me the card. They've given me the ability to talk to them and I'm gonna run with it. Because yeah. if they're listening to me, I don't give a shit. Like, by the way, I, I'm, I prefer to do it through other people that I don't have to take the fucking negatives that come along with it. <laughs> right. Right. But because it bro- I broke through, I'm gonna run through it. Yeah, that's right. And it's like you said, the authenticity. And I, I didn't catch the session you did with Eric Thomas. He was a good friend of mine and, and I think that that's why he's attracted to success that he also has, you know, from a raw, authentic state, uh, standpoint. So what's your what's your thoughts on like ET's like, you know, background and like what he's doing now? Because I feel like it's similar, right? Squeezing yeah. out the excuses. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. I like ET, intuitively I like ET. I, uh, I'm very scared to put anybody on who's a personal yeah. brand because most personal brands are trying to be too selfish. So I don't know what ET's, I don't know what ET's selling is what I'm always scared of. But I would tell you after spending, like I, I invited him on the show because I wanted to taste it. Yeah. I liked it. I think he's I think he's a much better version than a lot of the alternatives. Uh, and uh, I think that's right. I think him, you know, I think I think uh, he breaks through for sure. He motivates for sure. Yeah, and, and you he, know, he has, it, he has his, his critics, right? Like in his style and his approach, but like you said, he, he knows himself when he's gonna be himself. And by the way, there's so many people I can't break through too. Like we need all sorts of voices, all different, <clears throat> all different like ways. I think the key is to recognize what you're penetrating mm-hmm. and, then, 
and then decide what you want to do with it. Right. Yeah. You know? Guys, thank you for coming. Can we take Yeah, let's do it. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.